Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Good afternoon and welcome into Grant and Danny. We are live Friday, February 2nd, 2024. We are at the Bethesda Theater out in Bethesda, Maryland, where we are getting ready for a massive event tonight. It's all sold out, so if you're trying to get in, you're going to have to buy tickets off someone as they're walking in. you got to know a guy. There's about 500 people coming out. There's a beautiful venue here. I just checked it out. This theater's amazing, man. I feel like uh, we should be next stop, Capital One Arena. <laughs> I mean, that's right. There's no more seats in this place tonight for 106.7 The Fan and Team 980. We're all going to be on stage having a good time. Uh, should lay of the land today, though. we got a normal show for you. 2 to 6.30 as we get ready to take the stage right after that out here in Bethesda tonight. We will be giving away Wizards tickets back half of the show right around 5 o'clock. Also today, our Beltway Blitz going to cover the NFL, the Commanders, and the Wizards going into the weekend. So you will want to hear the Blitz coming up at 4. But, Danny, how you doing? Pretty good, man. I I love the energy here. I I like the idea that we're going to have a kick-butt live event. Like, I miss that. That's really, really cool. That's As you know... Um, I need attention all the time, pretty much, and I like it when it's on my terms. Get to do some stand-up, get in front of a crowd. There is nothing like receiving that live drug of audience interaction, uh, hopefully some laughs and clapping and approval and uh, doing some great bits. with Booing. Uh, yeah, that happens sometimes, too. That's the tightrope we all walk, getting on a stage. But uh, it's a reminder, though, that we work with really talented people. You know, like it, it, it's one of those nice, refreshing type moments where you go, oh, yeah, that's right. These guys that have been on the air for nearly 30 years, it's not just some accident. You know what I mean? A, a guy that should be in the Hall of Fame uh, as, a, as, a, as a running back and a dude that has done everything under the sun as a reporter covering teams, now hosting a show in JP. You were on television as, as like a toddler with your uh, feet dangling off the couch. You know, you've been in radio for longer than anybody uh, doing it as, as a kid. It's a nice reminder that this is the kind of thing that we can pull off. And it's really, really cool, man. So I got a lot of energy today, a lot of juice. Yeah, it's going to be a packed house. It will be a lot of fun. If you guys are coming out, hopefully we would get to hang a little bit before or after the event. Uh, this is a really, really cool venue. If you are not going to be here, uh, well, shame on you, number one. You missed out on a good thing. But number two, we'll do another one of these at some point and make sure you get your hands on those tickets when that happens. Uh, we, I got out here a little bit early today. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your schedule was like, but I got out here uh, – with enough time that I was trying to find a place to eat, trying to do a little bit of a healthier bit, couldn't find parking, could, just couldn't make it work. Turns out the first spot I found was right in front of this, like, utterly generic barbershop. Just one of those, like, red and white spiraled things out front, and it's just somebody's barbershop. So I go in, and I, I just thought, well, I'm not going to get my hair cut. I don't need a haircut. But I could trim up the beard a little bit. I haven't taken care of the beard Got an event tonight, might as well yeah. you know, look a little better. Immediately takes like a one guard to my beard. I'm a two and a half guy. Okay. If I really want to knock it down, I'll go two. Just immediately goes to the one. So that was aggressive. But have you ever had this happen? He tilts the chair back. I'm sitting in the chair. Mm-hmm. I'm a bigger guy, as you okay, know. Okay, sure. He's tilting the chair back to the point that my shoulder blades are kind of like below my butt. 
Below so my your head and oh, so my you're feet. Re- yeah. Uh, your, your feet are elevated. My feet are basically yeah. elevated. Mm-hmm. And he's going about taking the clippers and whatever else he's doing to my beard. All the hairs are getting up my nose. There's yeah. no yep. care at all. Mm-hmm. So much hair in my mouth and my nose. Yep. And I'm not one of these guys that's high maintenance, but I just I couldn't believe this was the best way. Literally, I was like tilting toward the ground. And it's just, it was as if the competition was, like there was a hidden camera show. How many hairs can we get in this guy's mouth? Before he says something? Before. What am I supposed to do? So funny. I don't want to be a jerk. Yeah, I don't know. At one point, I finally was like, I was like, can I have a nap? I'm sorry. It was amazing to me. That's so funny. He knows better than I do. Sure. Like, he, he wouldn't come into a radio station. And tell me, lead with this topic. Here, here's your <laughs> right, take on Dan right. Quinn. And I shouldn't tell him how to do his thing. I just you know. You just know you were uncomfortable in the chair. I just know that, first off, I haven't been in that position. Like, that's the position you're in. Well, I tell you what, here's the difference. If he was paying for the radio service, he might, ha- he might be able to have some input. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, like, but I see what you're saying. Like, what I've learned is, and I, and I don't know this, and I'm sure like a barber or someone does this. this. Oh, please go ahead. Have your feet ever been above your head? Yes. When you're getting your – this is not like some big major haircut. Just I'm just getting a trim on the beard. No, and not – drops me back. Yeah. My head was closer to the floor than my feet. Now, not that specifically, but I've had that for the Godfather shave. Okay. You know what I mean? So, but what, so what I think I was going to say is what I've learned is that every barber, stylist, person that, that does this has their own preferred methodology. True. So, like, for example – This the, guy's methodology was to shove hair in my well, nose. Well, that, that, that was his method. That was his M.O. But the – in uh, the guy that I went to the day of my wedding to get, like, all the lined up and the fancy shave and all oh, that, that other kind best. of stuff. It was awesome. He was, he was super tall. He happened to be, like, 6'6". Six, six. So he didn't want me tilted super far back. I basically leaned back like I was reclining on an airplane, which you should never do, by the way. If you do that, you're selfish. Sit upright like a human and be miserable with everyone else. But he barely tilted the thing back and was able to, you know, to, to use the blade and comb up and down the skin and do a good job. I, then I went at one point to uh, – uh, not that long ago to the grooming lounge, which I love. The the lady was like three eight. I mean, not, that's an exaggeration, but she was in the she was in the fours. I was my feet were like I was having a heart attack. They're trying to save my life. My this, feet were a foot and a half, two feet above my chin. This guy was taller than me, man. Yeah. it's not that. Oh, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I don't know what it was. It was incredible. But I, just, I my, what I was thinking at one point was, if Danny walked in here, he'd be like, "What is going? What on? What are you like, doing?" It was such a weird position to be in. And that's normally, you think about, they call it a grooming lounge or whatever. Mm-hmm. You go, and if you're at one of these really nice places like the grooming lounge or Roosters, there's one out here. Yeah. Tried to get an appointment there, couldn't, couldn't make it work, right? You go there, and it's, like, really relaxing. The whole time I was thinking, what if I slide out of this chair onto my head? Like, it was just, it was a crazy 15 <laughs> minutes for your boy. Uh, just a lot of hair. So I don't need lunch today. That's the good news. Okay. I've you're, eaten you're what eating. was my mustache. <laughs> is that as, part of your new diet that you're we, doing yeah, for the program? That one yeah. is illegal on the program. You know what's I great believe. is there's a lot of hair and protein, so a lot of nutrients going back in. Dan Quinn is the head coach of the Washington Commanders. Found that out yesterday. We spent the day talking about that. Still not a lot has been determined as far as his staff goes. The one report that's out there, and it's yet to be corroborated, but Aaron Wilson of the Houston Chronicle says that Joe Witt Jr., the defensive pass game coordinator and secondary coach with the Cowboys, is eventually going to be named Dan Quinn's defensive coordinator. Do you agree with me that the defensive staff, while important, all 
you know, staff. There's no such thing as having a bad coach. We saw that if you have a defensive backs room led by a former high school coach who probably doesn't deserve to, to be doing that in the NFL, mm-hmm. it can lead to some problems this year. I'm not saying there's such a thing as a, an insignificant role in the staff. But when you have Dan Quinn in your building who's going to oversee the defense, not unlike if Sean McVay is your head coach and the offensive coordinator doesn't call plays, I'm not as worried about the defensive staff as – what they do on offense, particularly if they're going to pick a quarterback at two, this is how they can make this whole thing work. Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me to weigh the level of import, the offensive staff, you know, what, a factor of 5, 10, 17, then, then who else on the defensive staff? Because you have a defensive mind. They're going to run Dan Quinn's scheme. And they should, by the way, because what he has put together over the last three seasons has been really, really good. He's turned in good homework uh, since he got canned from Atlanta. So that is part of it you want to be able to have somebody that's almost emphasizing your culture your messaging someone that knows what you want how you want it done the timing you know are you one of those guys that says practice starts at nine or do you need to be on the field at eight forty-seven, uh starting stretching at that point so we can start at nine do we start stretching at nine this guy can help implement that sort of stuff right those cultural things that we talk about i know we roll our eyes at the word culture rightfully so because it's a buzzword when you're not winning uh as an excuse for things that you see rivera come around but it is important, right? These are human interactions and touch points every single day. And a guy that knows how you like things done can certainly help with your message, messaging and implementation. That said, who's coming on the offensive side of the ball? I don't know if we have a good measure for how much more important and critical it is uh, for this group to get off to a good start. Because, again, we're, I'm pres- I, don't, I don't have any guarantees here. I don't know the answer definitively. But I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of slate etch-a-sketch style. Wipe the slate clean here. There's going to be a lot of turnover, and there should be, by the way, for a group that hasn't been particularly good and maybe under-talented in spots. On the coaching staff or on the player side? So I agree to be with able you. to implement your way, I think, is, is, is massive. That goes without saying, right? Anytime a new coach comes in, there's going to be a big turnover. Although I would say everyone thought that the Marty Party would no longer be operating, and they're still here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we don't know. I mean, you've got, you got to wait and see a little bit. But, Thank yes, there are going to be a lot of new players. There are going to be a ton of new coaches. Pretty much the entire staff is going to be brand new. Most of the previous staff was the Carolina regime, the commanders that Rivera had brought in, and they had their chance. And now it's Dan Quinn's turn to see what he can do. I think, for me, offense not only way more important just because it's more important in the league than defense – You've gone with a defensive-minded head coach, obviously. But I really circle that top draft pick because this whole thing's going to either work or it's not, largely based on what happens at the quarterback position. And it doesn't mean that that pick has to be a home run. Ideally, it it will be. And if it isn't, that's probably going to be devastating. But the San Francisco 49ers drafted Trey Lance when they traded up to the top three. Mm -hmm. That should have crippled them. It should have set them back except you had guys in that building like Adam Peters who drafted brilliantly in round set two through seven, who when they signed free agents, they hit on those players. They were the most talented team in the league. And with the last pick in a draft, they found a quarterback who in their system is excellent and who is leading them now to a Super Bowl and potentially you know, a championship and a Lombardi trophy. So I'm not saying that they, you know, the number two pick will determine everything, but I do think the fate of most coaches is dictated by the quarterback position. Certainly Ron Rivera's was, I would say. Jay Gruden would tell you, I would imagine, I think he has on our show, if not for bad luck, essentially, and not locking up the quarterbacks that were productive for him. Maybe things would have gone differently. End of his era here, a whole lot different look than earlier on when the offenses were really good and he was getting an extension. But what if they don't go quarterback at two? Do you still feel like the 
the OC and the offensive staff is as mandatory like to, to make sure that you've got these rising stars? Because I feel like that's almost part and parcel with everyone assuming they're taking a quarterback and you're, no, link, you're linking the play caller and the quarterback. It, yes. Yes, it's still as important. It, it, it's going to manifest itself in a different way because the thing that we're going to focus on from the outside looking in is, if they do draft a quarterback at two, is how's he developing? What did he do today? Did, you know, what, did he complete passes at OTAs today? How many balls hit the ground? Is he throwing picks? Does he look lost? What have you been sacked in real time? We're going to be obsessed with that stuff, rightfully so, because it's hopefully the future of the franchise. Uh, you're handing this guy the keys to the kingdom. If it's not a quarterback at two, for, for some reason, whatever it is, okay, you still need to be able to establish your program. Because what are we looking for here? We don't want to do the, we're going to make a deal with the devil, flash in the pan, whatever happens, happens over the next couple of seasons, see the Chargers working with Jim Harbaugh. The whole point here is to have our own John Harbaugh, our own Mike Tomlin, our own this is who we are for a long, long, long time. And the way to establish that, even if it's with yet another journeyman jag leftover quarterback, another Brissett, another uh, you know, Case Keenum, another one of those kind of guys from that tier, which I have no interest in, and I'm praying they don't either, but even if you're doing that, you still need some good results to kind of help get this thing rolling so that there's some credibility there. You can ask guys to go with you. Follow me through the breach. Only so many times before they get they get uh, blown up when they do. You know what I mean? I also think that even if you don't take a quarterback, it doesn't change the import of having a good offense, right? That if you are exceptional, moving the football, scoring points, you're going to win a lot of games. If you're bad at those things, you're not going to have a great chance to. So whether you draft a quarterback or not, whether it's Howell and a free agent to be named later, or if they don't take a quarterback at number two, I would imagine they would do it with one of their other picks or they trade back up and do it a little bit later on or something crazy. I happen to believe it's a lock that they pick quarterback second overall, but I don't think we should just assume definitively and categorically that that's going to happen. Daniel Jeremiah is an example yesterday. Uh, you know Daniel Jeremiah mm-hmm. from NFL Network. He's their draft analyst. He said he's 100% sure that the Patriots are taking a quarterback at number three. He said the one team in the top three he's not 100% sure about, meaning not even the Chicago Bears, is the Washington Commanders. He was just throwing out there this idea that it is very possible that they wouldn't go quarterback. Not a reality I can see, not something that would make sense to me, but I think we have to be open to the possibility at least this far out. process hasn't really gotten going yet. It's only February 2nd. Mm-hmm. We're basically three months from the draft at this point. Uh, it could go in a lot of different directions. I just think... With or without the second pick, even though we always talk about handcuffing the pick in the offensive coordinator, you just got to hit a home run on that hire. Mm-hmm. It becomes massive. And the big question, I think, then is we've heard names linked already to this job. Chip Kelly from the college game. There are very few names that exciting when it comes to offense at both levels, by the way. I know he got laughed out of Philadelphia and it didn't go well as a head coach. But he is designed and conceptually – He's come up with some really smart, good stuff on offense. That is a fun watch. You watched his team at UCLA and some of what he's done. The Saturdays and Sundays are more similar now, Dean, mm-hmm. yeah. than they've ever been before. A lot of it is, is, is his kinds of concepts. I, again, I know he is not popular because of how much of a trend record it was and how bossy he was and how challenging he was. Yeah, people do not – like, he is the anti-Dan Quinn, I would say. Yeah. People do not like Chip Kelly. Because, like, again, that ending was a disaster it in was. Philadelphia. And then, but know, I also think – and I don't know enough about him, but, but – he just has more detractors. It, it seems like his personality, unlike Quinn's, where everyone you talk to loves him, there's a lot of people that go, 
Yeah, me and him didn't mesh that well. Yeah, he's a he was a is and was a convention bucker. That's what starts with a B there. Okay, meaning they 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 were hitting on Saturdays. The guys hated it. They couldn't stand it. But he's like, I've got data. I've got science that proves this is the right way to do it. Whether he was right or wrong, he was always trying to do that sort of stuff. They had back to back ten win seasons. His first two years in Philadelphia, and their offenses were excellent. Now. I've forgotten that one year in San Francisco where he was the head coach and it was 2-14 and 14 and they were a disaster. Yeah. But that guy can make offense happen. That is a more intriguing name than I think a lot of people want to admit. Yeah, that name is out there. I don't think that would be a bad hire by any means. My hope would be that they kind of keep it in the league, so to speak, and they go with an up-and-coming, younger, ascending coordinator who's doing it in the NFL on one of these really good staffs where they're running great offenses, running ideally the Shanahan scheme, but maybe it's a – a branch off that in one of these spots where it's what's working in the league. Clint Kubiak's name keeps coming up out in San Francisco. He has called plays. He's been a coordinator in Minnesota. Now he's coordinating the pass game in San Fran. He obviously doesn't call the plays because Kyle Shanahan does. That would make a lot of sense. There's a coach on that staff who most of you have heard of, Brian Greasy, the former Broncos quarterback who bounced around the league a bit. He was a TV analyst. He was on Monday Night Football a couple years ago. He's the quarterback's coach there now. He and Kyle hit it off. Kyle brought him into the staff. He's been coaching QBs. That's a guy I've been told for a couple of years will end up being a head coach. He could be an offensive coordinator. There's probably two or three other people in that building that I haven't even named that would be worth looking at. Mm -hmm. But you want to probably broaden your scope some beyond just San Francisco. But that would excite me. If you go get a Kubiak, Greasy, one of those types of guys, they bring over the Kyle offense. And you know Dan Quinn would be fine with that and maybe even prefer it, mm-hmm. because Dan Quinn's apex as a head coach was with Kyle and LaFleur he saw it and McDaniel, close, yeah. all those guys. That's the team that went to the Super Bowl when Matt Ryan won MVP. So if he wants to run back when he was at his best and he turned the offense over to that scheme, I think you know, that could make some sense. Yeah, you want to start poaching from great quality programs that win every year and constantly churn out coordinators and then future head coaches – you're not going to get a complaint out of me. You also have a general manager in Adam Peters who's well-versed in all of those guys. That's right, yeah. And when he sits down with Dan Quinn, he says, all right, this guy, really sharp. This guy, everyone loves him, media loves him. I'm not so sure he's ready. Uh, here's what I don't like about him. But this guy right here, he could call plays tomorrow, and I think he could help us. You know, that knowledge will be really, really beneficial if you're looking in that tree. And there are guys from San Francisco now all over the league, obviously, who have their own staffs that are you know, tangentially mm-hmm. uh, a part of that same offense. Like Frank Smith in Miami is a good yep. example. Would Frank Smith take a job, would they let him walk, out of Miami where he's the offensive coordinator for this wonderful elite offense that scores so many points, but he doesn't get to call plays. And you're living in Mike McDaniel's shadow. Now, you have the asset with a defensive-minded head coach of dangling in front of one of these non-play-calling coordinators. Come over here and call plays on your way to your head coaching job. This is what the, the Titans did. Remember when Matt LaFleur came over to, to help Mike Brable, he called plays in Tennessee. He mm-hmm. left the shadow of Sean McVay in L.A. So everybody gets something out of it, right? Exactly. You get good offense coordinated, and you get a chance to increase your head coach profile. Now, as we've talked about ad nauseum, they lost him to being the head coach of the Packers pretty quickly. But you kind of worry about that. You, you've, we've laid down in that bed. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to eventually make it. and That would mean you had some success and your quarterback developed, so that's a good thing. But I want to know what would excite people. I want to know what would get the juices flowing now with Dan Quinn in the fold. You've got a defensive-minded head coach. He's got to fill this staff out offensively. It might be a name that you've circled as an OC candidate. You know, what are you thinking offensively now 
about what they should do next that could really sell you on this operation more. 800-636-1067 is the number on Grant and Danny on the fan. I, I, I think I'm more positive than other people, but also still not as positive as I would have hoped. I mean, this is a guy who I do think has genuinely improved, a guy who, you know, the end was not pretty in Atlanta. They had become very one-dimensional on defense. They didn't seem to have many fresh ideas. Dan Quinn's defense in Dallas was different. It was multiple. They played more man coverage. It looked more modern. Um, he took over a defense that was abysmal. And granted, they drafted Michael Parsons, which goes a long way into improving a defense, but he got a lot out of the pieces they had there. The voice of Bill Barnwell, who was on our show yesterday. Welcome back, Grant and Danny, live at the Bethesda Theater, where we will be on stage with all of our cohorts from the fan later this evening. Looking forward to that. The whole station's out here. This is going to be a huge event tonight. There'll be several hundred listeners in the crowd. Should be a really good time. All right, now we're talking about Dan Quinn filling out the rest of his coaching staff and what that's going to look like. One of the reasons, presumably, that when it got down to the remaining candidates that they could hire, Dan Quinn, Anthony Weaver, Baltimore, Aaron Glenn, Detroit, you got to imagine that a potential tiebreaker, or if they were heavily in Quinn's favor at that point, one of the reasons has to be that they like his chances to build a great staff. Well, it's, it's a huge part of the process, right? What's your vision? Because, listen, th- these guys aren't dumb. I bet you the question of, hey, we've noticed that every defensive-minded head coach loses his OC every 1.8 years on average. All the offensive coordinators turn over in this league because they become head coaches. Lickety-split. The, the slightest modicum of success gets you a job. If you look like Sean McVay for three years, you got a head coaching job. If you know Kyle Shanahan, you got a head coaching job. What's your plan there? They had to have been impressed with his answer, right? There's no way around that. There's no way Adam Peters didn't ask. There's no way the uh, uh, the Hog Ownership Group or the, the consultants, anybody else. It's a it's a no phenomenon. If old Rube Danny Ruye picked up on that as a pudgy radio zilch, I bet you the the, the compensated millionaires who do this for a gig figure that out too. So yeah, he had to have a good answer. But for I that. do think there's something to Danny. Sometimes you probably know who you're bringing with you. Mm -hmm. When Shanahan was talking to Dan Snyder in 2009 about becoming the coach in that offseason leading into 2010, I guarantee Mike Shanahan already knew because, as he would tell us the following season, he had been speaking to Jim Hazlitt for months, and he had – I don't know what it was, but he kind of handpicked him as his defensive coordinator. Because he decided he wanted one of three, four, and exactly. wanted Hazlitt to do it. Yeah, I think sometimes that's the case. When Sean McVay sat down with the Rams, the Niners, some other teams in that cycle, going back seven seasons ago, whatever that was now, believe it or not, he knew that he was bringing Wade Phillips with him. And that was kind of his mm-hmm. trump card he would throw down on the desk when they go, okay, man, but you're 30, you're a young guy, how are you going to build a staff? And he goes, actually, Wade Phillips will be my defensive coordinator. He's already signed on. And I bet that was a jaw-on-the-floor moment. I think a lot of the time you're telling a team what you hope to do. Mm-hmm. Hey, my agent is also the agent for this guy who's in this city, you know, in Miami, and we think we can get him out of his contract and elevate him to a you know, pass game coordinator role. And it's a lot of if they let us, then we'll have this guy. And the fact is, and I'm sure Adam Peters and these people who are smarter than me know, that all sounds great. Team's got to let you do it. Yep. 
And maybe if you're Anthony Weaver or you're Aaron Glenn or even Ben Johnson, maybe you're, you're saying, I think I could put this staff together. Most of the people you know are probably younger. And maybe you can get them out, but maybe you couldn't. And I know that they had to have been impressed with the fact that Dan Quinn, who knows all of these different staffs, all of these different contacts from 20 years in football, that's one of the selling points. I think there's probably two major selling points for Dan Quinn, honestly. The first is that everyone that has ever met him loves him. Mm -hmm. Like, I was hearing from people from all over the place last night. Matt LaFleur. Now, he obviously coached with Dan Quinn in Atlanta, but was like, TQ special, man. You're going to love this guy. Like, if you've ever spent five minutes with him, you love Dan Quinn. Yep. I get it. That's number one in his corner. I think the second thing is they know that he's going to build a good staff rather than hoping that he'll build a good staff. Yeah, it's, it's, it is the essential thing, right? And, again, it's not to diminish the, the coaching hire in and of itself, right? Because now we're, now the coaches hire, we're like, okay, who's on a staff? Like it's not a significant thing. It's obviously major. You set the day-to-day uh, tone. Again, I hate this word, but I have another one. Tone, culture, uh, uh, how you do things you know, uh, who the leaders are of your team, how things emerge, your structure, those sorts of deals. Yeah, there's the big guy at the top in terms of Peters as to how the organization does it. In terms of how the 53 is doing it, there should be that degree of separation between the coach and the GM. So on the ground, in the trenches, it's Dan Quinn and his guys letting his will be done. You you need lieutenants. You need everybody. I get pulling the rope in the same direction, not figuring out in week 10, this ain't it, and trying to update your resume and covering your own butt and trying to make your own group look better so you can get a job somewhere else, knowing this, that your big boss is getting blown out. So the question we're posing on the MGM National Harbor listener lines right now for you, what would excite you about filling out this staff and the Quinn process now to add assistance, specifically on offense, but is there a name, is there a potential coach you've heard linked to this team that would get the juices flowing? I would not be against Chip Kelly. I think that is a big, splashy press conference winning move, more so than it's like the best move for the team. But I think the guy knows offense. I think the offense would probably work. And here's my selling point maybe on Chip Kelly. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. If he's opting out of a contract in college where he makes a lot of money because he's tired of dealing with the NIL and free agency in college football like so many of these college coaches are that are just done with it already – they need to make some adjustments and some tweaks probably. Mm-hmm. He's not going back to college, I wouldn't think. Is he getting another head coaching job in the league? Not any time in the near future. I mean, it's a, I would bet against that, like, period, but it's certainly not going to be in the next couple of years. So you'd have some potential longevity there. That's not bad in his corner. Uh, but that, that would not be at the top of my list. Top of my list is, not surprisingly for me, Shanahan Tree, Kubiak, Greasy. That tandem, if you could get one or both of them, if you could pull a couple of the other assistants, there's this guy in San Francisco everyone keeps telling me about who's the tight ends coach there, named like Brian Flory. You know, if he came with them as a pass game coordinator or something, he's apparently this up-and-coming star. I said this on the show yesterday. I wasn't kidding. It's starting to get a little more traction. I know Ben Standing's written about it in The Athletic. I honestly think they should put Logan Paulson on the staff. Like, people like that who are smart who know that scheme, who know that offense, who have a chance, tight end uh, room would benefit from him. He could be a coordinator in a couple of years. If they show me that not only are they bringing over Kubiak, but they're layering this thing with three or four bright young minds, now I'm starting to get excited about the possibility to have a good offense in the years to come 
when you lose your OC, which is inevitably going to happen if your quarterback at number two is any good, see Bobby Slowick. 49ers.com slash team slash coaches dash roster. That's where I went first to find who I would like and who would excite me. The second website I went to was MiamiDolphins.com slash team slash coaches dash roster. You get the point here. I want to raid the closet. I want to, I want to bring me Chris Forster. Make up a title for him. I, I want that offensive line guru. He should yeah, coach your O-line. Him and Chris Morgan, probably the new era Bill Callahan is kind of the best in the biz. You know, make, make that happen. Uh, you know, and the assistant tight ends coach in Miami, make him your tight ends coach up here. Elevate all these guys that are innovating and are constantly scoring points and moving the football against all comers. I want that. And it can't just be a couple of guys and, and some friends. It needs to be this self-sustaining pipeline almost, right? It's got to be one of, you know those things that like rich people have on their desks and offices and movies where like it's like five uh, metal balls on strings and you raise one up and it hits the balls and then one goes up in the air and then it comes back down and hits it and it's a self-perpetuating machine. You need that with an offensive pipeline. I, I, I want a never-ending stream of guys that know Kyle Shanahan or have studied that sort of general system of getting guys open and also working run games, by the way. That's the other part of it. They, they push people around, work play action really well. To me, it's the sustainable what works on offense model. I want that. Well, my dream is dying on the vine, it would appear. Just 22 seconds ago, Adam Schefter tweeted that the Saints are working to hire 49ers pass game specialist Clint Kubiak as their offensive coordinator. Now, this is where I'm going to start to get frustrated here, okay? If you miss out on a few of these guys who are just further along, the Saints have been interviewing people for two weeks, right? Now, they did not have a head coaching vacancy, but one of my frustrations when you waited this long and then went defensive is that the coordinator pile is getting picked over a little bit. If you were still to get Brian Greasy or something, fine. But if a few other of these guys land some of the other four vacancies, there are five offensive coordinators that have already been hired in this cycle this offseason. I think there are four other teams with Washington trying to hire one. Schefter's saying they're working to hire 49ers passing game specialist Clint Kubiak, so I guess it's not a done deal. But the search took so long, yep. and then you went defensive when the most important gig might be the one helping the quarterback at number two, that if you swing and miss on a couple of these guys or, or a few of the best possible ideas that the Ben Johnsons of coordinators go – you know, then it gets a little bit more frustrating. They do have the fallback option, just like they had it head coach with Dan Quinn, I guess, of, of Chip Kelly. Because worst-case scenario, you're going to be able to, to call that a win if and when it happens. Uh, what would excite you most? We started the segment. I told you Clint Kubiak. Sounds like he's going to the Saints. I've timed the news so it screws Grant over. That is not the first time you've done that, Shefty. I keep doing it. Grant and Danny on the fan. Well, I think the thing when you talk to him about it is he's very aware that, you know, like after he kind of transitioned to a more managerial head coaching role and Kyle Shanahan left, he, he kind of thought the system was transferable, but he didn't realize kind of how having that dynamic coordinator, um, you know, the dynamic DC, you know, he's the dynamic DC prior to my arrival there. And then he chooses to kind of move to a more traditional head coaching role and just the importance of the coordinators and, and the importance of the staff and when I came out of that, like, you know, I, I talked to him a couple times afterwards and that was something that came up in our conversations. And I just thought that was such a such a mature, such a professional way to look at it. Logan Paulson, when we had him on yesterday right here on Grant and Danny, we are live in Bethesda 
at the Bethesda Theater, where you're taking part in a huge event tonight. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad, the official Grant and Danny show sponsor. They can help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com and mention the show to score a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. In fact, Kondorian Murad, the Fairfax guys, went to Lake Braddock and George Mason University. They will be here tonight. They told me they got a table right up front by the stage. So I will be looking for them when we are on stage tonight. Maybe uh, try to make eye contact with them at some point during your uh, shredding of everyone on the staff. No, no, it's 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 kind fun stuff. Like you know, sure does like fun. Jason Bishop, like stuff like that. It's yeah. very innocent. Only compliments. I yeah, was told. it's it's a, the first ever complimentary roast. That's my kind of roast. Yeah, it's the best it's kind. A bunch of compliments making us feel good about ourselves. You're gonna come out looking great in this roast. I am very excited about it. Cannot wait for eight o'clock tonight. Uh, the Saints are working toward hiring. 49ers pass game specialist Clint Kubiak, former OC and play caller with the Minnesota Vikings. That was my number one choice. That was the guy I was most excited to hopefully get the OC job. All is not lost. That was just you know the type of guy I'm looking for. Brian Greasy would make a lot of sense to me. He is the quarterbacks coach in San Francisco. You got to tap into one of these young offensive minds. That's what would move the needle for me. Sounds like Danny's on the same page. Let's go to Maurice in Columbia. Maurice, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for taking my call. I kind of agree with you, Grant. I mean, I, you know, it looks like the team evidently really wanted to put all their eggs in the basket in the uh, Ben Johnson. And when that kind of soured, you know, while they were in flight to go to Detroit, um, you know, I, I don't, I wasn't really in, so uh, keen on Quinn, but I, I'm kind of like warming up to it. And I agree with you. If we can identify one of these uh, innovative, uh, offensive coordinators, young person that can, you know, uh, keep our offense uh, with the modern offensive game, um, then I wouldn't be so bad. Um, so that, that's what I'm curious to see, at what kind of coordinators that Quinn is able to uh, assemble, especially on the offensive side, because, you know, obviously they wanted Ben Johnson. And when they didn't strike that, you know, they had to pivot. Um, so if they can assemble a decent offensive uh uh, young and up-and-coming guys, um, then, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be too bad. I think they can turn this uh, ship around. Thank you Thank for you. taking my call. Thank, Thank you for buddy. making it. Appreciate you. I, I think we're, we're, all, we're all sort of circling around the same part of the strain here, right? That's what's essential is the pivot, the way we got here, d- did not make me happy. I thought it was, you know, a letdown. It didn't feel very good. Whatever, we're here. So what are we going to do about it, right? Like what, what's the, the next phase of this thing is absolutely critical. And, you know, I think they made it more challenging on themselves. You said this last segment in, in so many words. I think it was a really smart point by you. Because of the clock, you were the eighth team out of eight to hire a guy. The fill-out-your-staff stuff has started in earnest. And some teams had only a couple openings, whether it was an OC, a quarterback's coach here or there, or this guy's getting promoted, or we're interviewing these guys. You now need to start doing this in earnest. And it's almost like that after-draft, undrafted free agent feeding frenzy where you're almost recruiting these guys yeah. in, in real time. It goes without saying that Clint Kubiak was on their radar at the least. I'd presume they've been talking to him, even if minimally, over the last couple days. But he had to have been one of the guys they wanted to talk to for their OC role. Why would you choose the Saints over the Commanders? Dennis Allen is going into a potential lame duck year. He is a sub-500 head coach in his career 
who there was some thought he might get fired at the end of the season, they kept him. That's not an ideal gig. Plus, I'm a Derek Carr guy more than the average person is. I don't think he's nearly as bad as most people do. I think he's a you know top 17-ish, like somewhere between 14 and 17 quarterback in the league, you know, whatever that is right now. But would you rather work with Derek Carr and a potential lame duck head coach than year one of a new staff with Dan Quinn and pair yourself at the hip with the number two pick? Look what it just did for Bobby Slowick's career. Yeah. I mean, if you're Clint Kubiak, you come here and call plays. Drake May or Jaden Daniels balls out and becomes the sensational rookie everybody loves next year. You're interviewing for jobs at the worst. You're getting a job at the best. Why would you pick the Saints over this place if they are, in fact, considering you? And if they're not, not only is that surprising, but that's disappointing. Yeah, I, the, the only thing I can think of is I could be okay and we, we'll win the division. Nobody in that division scares me. Carolina's a, uh, a gong show. Atlanta's not particularly good. They'll be starting an operation over. Um, Tampa just lost their OC, so Todd Bowles is due to go back to the 6-11 and 11 tier. It's a winnable division. Maybe that's the thought. I mean, I'm just trying to think out on, on my feet here as to why he would pick there over here. Brian Greasy's the next guy on my list. I'm just going down the San Francisco death chart. <laughs> that's, it's a good way to do point. it. Uh, let's uh, hear from you guys on the MGM National Harbor Listener Lines. Your thoughts on what needs to be done at the offensive coordinator spot. How about what Dan Jeremiah said of NFL Network yesterday, though, out at the Senior Bowl, the possibility that he says he's not convinced Washington takes a quarterback. I want to dive into that next as well on Grant and Danny. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Kick off your future with the law firm of Condorian Murat, the official Grant and Danny show sponsor. They will help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com. Mention the show to score yourself a discount, kmlawyers.com. I am wearing a polo shirt. I'm very comfortable. I don't want to put on the button-down 
It's not even a dress shirt, really. It's just a button-down shirt that I brought. I think I saw it. I, I, th- I don't know that I would call that a dress shirt. I would call that a button-down, but it's sharp. It's a good shirt. It's not a dress shirt at all. It's just a casual button-down. Mm-hmm. But I brought that in case everyone shows up in button-downs, which is my fear. Yep. Because I feel like even though personally I would be fine, just comfortable walking out in a polo shirt tonight on stage, if the whole staff is in button-downs and then I'm in a polo, I feel like I look – a little bit less dressed up, and yep. I don't want to be that guy. Which I, I smell what you're cooking there. Now, I'm wearing a button-down. Uh, Ryan's already wearing a button-down. You know Brian Mitchell's going to look sharp as well, all hell. I'm not trying to compete with Bish. I'm not saying to compete, but I'm it's like – like Bish comes in sweatpants. That's kind of what I'm hoping. best bet is one of the Yunkies yeah. showing up like they show up to the radio station, which I get, by the way. They get there at like 4, 12 in the morning. Yeah, but they typically – I mean, with all due respect, and this is not a Jones session on you – you also don't dress that great at the radio station. No, not at all. You're a gym shorts and a sweatpants guy. Yeah. It's not like that's what the junkies would normally – they don't wear that out, so I'm, I'm not betting it, but I'm just hoping Bish shows up and he's kind of big-timing the whole thing and he's like, I, I, you got me here, but I'm in a T-shirt. He was like, I was just at golf them. You know what I mean? Like, it just came straight. <laughs> right. Yeah. That would be nice. Are you nervous about any of the jokes that you've got planned? Yep. Who are you most nervous <laughs> No, I was kidding. There's, there's follow-up. Uh, that's a great question. The – you never know how guys are going to react to this. So, a little behind the scenes. Being made fun of in front of 500 people? Yeah. Um, when comics do this to each other, we we get it. Like, when we roast each other. That's why those Comedy Central roast things are so hilarious. And they don't, they don't, you know, they don't get people's buddies and friends. They get, you know, comedians to get up there and just destroy some, some mark, right, who's willing to take it. It's so funny and so good uh, because guys can take a joke. We don't really do that around here. Everybody's very sensitive. Everybody's quirks and idiosyncrasies are totally on display, like, all the time. So I don't know how people are going to react. I feel like most of it will be fine, but you know what's going to happen? Like, Twitter tattletale Tim's going to be like, at EB Junkies, did you hear what Danny said about you? Blah, like, try to, like, get in some, some dramatics. So I, I worry about that part a little bit, but it's also, you know what my job is? It's to be funny. I do that, I feel good about it. The, there's going to be repercussions sometimes, but... I'm on the stage live in front of people, and that's the gig. So there may be some hurt feelings. There's going to be I'll, some frustration. I'll apologize after. Yeah, you got to just high-five everyone and be like, it was just in fun. I was just fun and when I took we that true thing about you and said it in front of people. Having a good time. <laughs> that's the thing about the jokes is, like, most of them are pretty true. Yeah. Or you're preying on, like, perceptions of people, right? Yeah. I think that's one. Or, it's one or the other. But everyone's catching it, it sounds like. Yeah. Everybody on the staff's going to get something. Everybody that you'll see here tonight has a joke written about them. Ooh. Okay. Right? Can't wait. <laughs> we are right. five you hours so away. excited. <laughs> Doors open in three hours. Uh, what do you think of what Daniel Jeremiah said yesterday? This caught me by surprise. Now, I, I don't want to make this into a huge report. It's not, he's not reporting anything. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even want to make this into some grandiose declaration by him. I think it is worth having a discussion about today, though, because we have just been talking as if it is 100% a lock that they're going to take a quarterback with the number two pick. And that's probably not fair. It's probably only a 99.5% lock that they're going to take a quarterback with the number two pick. But I found it really interesting yesterday that Jeremiah said that he is sure that the Patriots are going to go QB at three. And he said the one team in the top three that he's not as confident in drafting a quarterback is the Commanders. When I saw that, it took me aback. What would you think? 
I'm praying that it's some kind of smokescreen for some reason. I, I, I'm praying that it's in order, you know, because this is silly season. We're officially in it now. Are we, I don't think we're there yet. I, I don't think well, we're in, like, tell Daniel Jeremiah to float mm. something. We, they're just trying to hire a coach right now. Yeah, you may be right. I, 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 I just, I need it to be true. I mean, I need, I need the other part to be true. I need, I need it to be the drafting quarterback. Unless something happens that's so irresponsible by some other team who's got the steamies that they have no choice but to trade back. I can't imagine what that trade would look like, but let's say that it happens. Okay, fine, I can get down with it. The thing that I'm going to have to get over as old Fanny Mouye, Randy Duye, if you will, to the layperson, uh, frustrated, irritated radio host slash lifelong fan who is, just like you guys, swum through this bag of turd for decades now in a row, the new regime doesn't have my ache. They don't have my angst and anxiety. The same way we were talking about this before the Capitals finally broke through Jeeps, like the 24-year-old doesn't understand or care that the Caps broke my heart in 1987. Doesn't understand that, that Mario Lemieux and Lou Franceschetti and uh, some of these bastard Pittsburgh Penguins that ruined my life, that, that I have PTSD every time I see them take the ice. They don't know that. They're just trying to win a hockey game. Adam Peters doesn't have my baggage. So in his mind, he goes, you know what, I don't, I want, for the sake of argument, what might be smarter is if we end up doing this next year because of this guy, this guy, this guy, I like this dude, I'm comparing him over future years, this person will be available via contract, we could do this, whatever his strategy is. If he doesn't, it's going to make me freak out because I've been starving for a franchise quarterback like the big boys, like the real good teams get to have for decades. And he hasn't had that starvation. He's walking into a new situation trying to make this thing over in his image. So I'm going to have to get over that if that's how it goes. But, man, that's not going to be easy. Well, I would just be disappointed. I guess not unlike the coaching search. It's a little bit different, though. The coaching search, everyone's going to have their own proclivities. It's pretty clear, and he said this at the press, but they were going to look for a leader. They didn't care if it was an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. They wanted someone who would be a great leader. I think that's just kind of something you say at the podium. But – they obviously meant it, and clearly with Dan Quinn being the guy that they hired, that's how we got here. Um, there was a scurious route, and we don't know what happened that led up to that, but the bottom line is when they settled on Dan Quinn, they decided we got ourselves a leader, no doubt. I can kind of make sense of that and move on. The quarterback one would be even tougher, though, because you don't have a quarterback. You've got the number two overall pick. See how that conversation went? Yeah. It's the, over now. Like, what, so, that, that was the whole all right, conversation. All right. I want you, uh, let's, let's say I'm a blank canvas. I haven't been convinced yet. Yeah. Give oh, me your case. My case. Ready? Okay. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Okay. Go ahead. You don't have a starting quarterback. Hold on. I do not have a starting quarterback. Okay. You have the second overall pick. Guys, we should draft a quarterback. That's a convincing argument. It's over now. Yeah. Uh, Ron Rivera and the Marty Party, when they began here, their first big decision was – the number two overall pick, not unlike Peters and the Peters Brigade. I don't know what we're going to call them yet. But the new front office's first huge decision that they're going to be making, at number two overall, do you take the quarterback or do you wait? Rivera and his group kicked the can down the road a little bit. It ended up biting them in the butt every day that they were here for the rest of their time and dooming them in the end. And that isn't to say that history would repeat itself. As I said earlier, if you don't draft a quarterback, if you trade back, if you take Marvin Harrison Jr., there are other avenues to find the quarterback. But you are passing up on the best way to do it, statistically speaking. They had no problem doing that 
with head coach, mm-hmm. and maybe that they're going to operate outside the box and do their own thing all along. If you're a good enough GM that you can surround talent and you can hit in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, your free agent signings are all good, then none of this is going to matter anyway. But the best way to get a franchise quarterback is to be picking super high in the draft in a year where there's really good quarterback prospects. They're doing that. There are beloved prospects this year. I can't tell you if Drake May is going to be awesome. Nobody knows if Jaden Daniels is going to make the leap and be Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I've got my usual slate of concerns with, with both guys, right? With anybody in, in this draft. Everybody's got a wrinkle. There's no such thing as a sure thing. To me, my, my formula is simple. Now, maybe if, maybe if this had happened this way for Washington. I know we're getting into the weeds here on the, on the quarterback thing for a second, but bear with me. If the, if the following had happened multiple times over for Washington when I've, as, you know, during my time as a fandom, they drafted in the top five. Picked a quarterback, he'd failed, so they did it again two or three years later. They drafted that guy, and he failed. They drafted that guy, and he failed. If they'd done that five times, six times, seven times, I'd go, you know what? The only thing to do is find a disgruntled Hall of Famer that's going to change teams. Find me my Peyton Manning post-Colts. Find me my Aaron Rodgers post-Jets. Find me my Brady post New England, and we'll figure it out. Maybe that would be my strategy. The point is, they've done it once in a blue moon where they draft a quarterback. Other than that, it's been journeyman, jag, losers, dead-end roads, going nowhere, and they're going 90 miles an hour going, look at how fast we're going, as if they want to be congratulated for it. It's a convincing case, and it, that was a lot of smart words. I'm going to go back to how, <laughs> how much more simple it is. Yeah. You don't have a quarterback, right. and you're picking second. And if it was Caleb Williams and the next best quarterback in this class was J.J. McCarthy or something, now we got a real tough decision to make. That's not the case. Drake May is a prototype quarterback prospect. He has the size and the arm strength and can make every throw. And if you watch him, you're going to see some Justin Herbert. Jaden Daniels is electric. Jaden Daniels is one of the great college talents as a dual threat this past year we've ever seen. Statistically, in the SEC, what he did was incredible. He can make all the throws. He can make plays with his feet that there's only a couple guys in the league that can make. Now, Does the game translate? Is he going to be able to do it at the next level? We're going to have to find that out. You can say some of the same things in a different way about Drake May. Didn't have unbelievable statistics, wasn't a part of a winning team. There's a lot of ways to explain all these things away. They both have their warts as prospects, but they are number two caliber picks in any year, Mm -hmm. and you've got the number two pick, and you've been searching for a quarterback forever. And I think that's the context I would add based on what you said, right, which is – not only you – know, my, my point, I keep saying, you're hungry and I'm making food. No, that's the – you don't have a quarterback, you have the number two pick. This is the fight we get in with our kids every night. You're hungry, <laughs> I have food for you. Yep. And you're going, I might eat later. Uh, but tomorrow – I just don't know. Later. On top something. of that, I would add, you've been looking for the food that I have for 30 years, potentially. It, it may not taste the way that you want it to, but it is as close to a no-brainer, I think, as, as there's going to be. I went into the offseason thinking that the GM hire and the quarterback pick were the two most important things. And I think we could debate, and that might be fun to do later in the show, Mm. like which one's more important. But I do put the head coach hire behind both of those. And that's one of the reasons that while they picked a guy that I wouldn't have, whatever, I'm over it, we're moving on, we're on to San Francisco, we're on to Cincinnati, whatever it is, that's the third most important thing here. You got a good leader of men. You went the defensive route. You're going to make it a little harder on yourself. That's fine. Hit the quarterback and nothing matters. You get Justin Herbert out of Drake May. You get Lamar Jackson out of Jaden Daniels. Then all of a sudden, you got a shot. 
And if Adam Peters is who we think he is, I think that guy's going to be really, really good. You got a shot. So I come back now today to GM, check, quarterback, TBD, and we got Daniel Jeremiah saying, actually, maybe not on the quarterback. That would be tough for me if week one this coming season, they didn't take a quarterback in the first couple rounds. It's Howell and whatever else, you know, Jacoby Brissett, whoever they bring in, that, that version, this free agency, and Dan Quinn. Like, now you missed a couple of big categories for me. But if it's Quinn with Daniels or May and Peters with a good draft class and a nice free agency period, you're cooking with grease. How they get this quarterback to be named later isn't going to matter to me as much in the long run. I'll go, just like your head coaching search, you made it a little harder on yourself, but whatever. I need this offseason for them to be able to say, da 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 I don't know why they would do it like that, but bear with why me. would they do that? Maybe like a trumpet plays. Who would do that? Exactly. Uh, Who's playing the trumpet? They got a trumpet guy. I, I want it to be actually. There's no trumpet. I want someone to have, every time Adam Peters comes in the room, he's got like an assistant he hires and pays a few bucks. That's just an actual human who who voices da 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 da, and then Adam Peters speaks uh, and his lordship Adam Peters, and like he talks. Wouldn't that be great? Yes, it would. Um, He'd be Shmee, uh, Shmee from uh, Hook, from Hook, where he has to like stomp on the steps, and then the red carpet comes down, and Adam Peters walks in. And by the way, he is incredibly handsome. Very handsome. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Adam Peters is a dreamboat, uh, but he he like walks into the room, and everyone's like, "Who is that?" And they don't know until the guy goes, "Da da da da, his lordship," and then everyone's like, "Oh, it's Adam Peters." Oh, it's Adam Peters. We best listen, should we? He'll have instructions for us. We've been sorting away under Rivera for all these years. We're clueless. We should probably not have jobs. Whenever you get ready to fire us, Mr. Peters, the fans will be happy. Anyway, but I, I want them to be able to go, ladies and gentlemen, our new quarterback. If they do it in unconventional means and they still do it, okay. But what does that look like? It doesn't look like, a, with all due respect, a Jacoby Brissett or a guy on a, on a one-year semi-1A backup deal a part-time starter deal, a Mitch Trubisky, someone available in that tier. No, but I mean, it's, you're saying unconventional. So get, is that a fourth round? Is that trading, you know, second round pick and you take Bo Nix or yeah, something? Yeah, it's something where they go, the dude we like the best is, for the. I'll, I'll pick it, J.J. McCarthy. I don't, but may, let's say they do. And, and they, you know who loves him? Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. He said today he should be the first quarterback off the board. You, you enjoy Explore the Space, Jim. You go, you go do that. See if you're going to place Harbaugh. I think, you know what I think Harbaugh should do? Trade Justin Herbert to the commanders. There it is. Then trade up to number one. And take J.J. McCarthy. Put your money where your mouth is, Jim. Why don't you do something, Jim? Prove it. Huh? You just saying things, or are you actually going to put your money where your mouth is? Can't you say stuff? I'll watch Ted Lasso if I want to. Um, But, yeah, they traded back into the first round to get J.J. McCarthy with the 29th pick. You know, they did a Baltimore via Lamar Jackson or something. They find a guy, even if it's not at two. It should be, and that's what I would do. Just keep it very simple. But let's say that it's not. They need some sort of thing to be able to go, all right, we did it. We had a plan all along. We were thoughtful about this. We had, again, we had Bo Nix on the exact same level as, as, uh, as Daniels. I don't, but I'm not a professional scout. I'm just a dude that, that likes to hear my own voice. So if they do, they got a plan, and it executes in a way that I'm not seeing right now, I can live with it. I can't do another journeyman thing again as like a short-term bridge to uh, a cliff. Here's my hot take, by the way, while we're just bringing up Bo Nix's name. I, I think Bo Nix ends up getting drafted in the top 15. I think all four of the big four, I'm not even including McCarthy, but I'll say he's a first-rounder as well. 
But I think you've got – let's see. I, I, Caleb Williams goes one to the Bears. They don't trade out. They trade Justin Fields somewhere. Maybe to the Raiders. Makes some sense. Should be the Falcons, but maybe that won't happen. Number two, I think Washington goes QB. I'm going to say Drake May. Number three, New England goes Jaden Daniels. You you could flip-flop those two. Who knows? But I think Penix goes. I think Bo Nix goes. Is that too many quarterbacks? That's and five then JJ so far, McCarthy. Right? Are six quarterbacks going to go in the first round? I don't know. My, my I don't think McCarthy is, will as of right now. Really? Yeah. I well, He's the guy I like the least. I just I think Bo Nix moves up the board pretty high. I, he's a good athlete. It's not a guy I'm clamoring to draft or anything. I'm not taking him at two, but I, I would be surprised if he's still on the board at the end of the first round. Last year got weird though. Remember, mm-hmm. you had quarterbacks for the first time in forever fall. Yeah. Now it's pretty clear that for whatever reason, and we saw this with Sam Howell in his class the year before. I just think the industry was not very high on those QBs. No guys like Will Levis, but this is different to me. I think this class is better. Uh, let's pose the question now, though, for you guys. You can hit us up on Twitter at Grant H. Paulson at Funny Danny. You can call us at 800-636-1067 here on The Fan. Daniel Jeremiah said, of the three teams picking in the top three, New England third, Washington second, Chicago first, he says the team that he's the least convinced will take a quarterback, that he thinks there's the most possibility they won't, is the Commanders which doesn't make sense to me. But is that something that you're open to? Or do you think it's February 2nd and we got a long ways to go and he's just right now throwing something out there that uh, will change by the time we get there? Grant and Danny on the fan. Alongside Danny Ruye, I'm Grant Paulson. This is the fan. We are on site today at this beautiful theater, the Bethesda Theater right off Wisconsin Avenue. You know, I've driven by this place hundreds of times. Never been inside. What an amazing building. It's gorgeous, man. I'm telling you, this is one of my favorite. I performed it two different times uh, over the years. I was here, I think, in November with, uh, with Adam Ferrara. I just, I love performing here. There's a great energy. There's not a bad seat in the house. Easy to kind of, you know, walk back out of the way and get a drink so you're not interrupting the show. Food here is phenomenal, by the way. We're going to eat like kings in a couple hours. The stage is awesome. I'm telling you, I, I love this place. Rhino, I've got an annoying task for you. This is the second one of the day, as he also uh, ran to get some lunch for us earlier today. I'm going to want a picture from the stage of the venue that I can tweet out. And I'll post it here in a few minutes at Grand H. Paulson. I just want people to see how cool it looks inside. But really, really good vibes. If you're coming tonight, uh, shoot us a tweet at Grand H. Paulson at Funny Danny if you got tickets. Let us know where you'll be. We'll uh, come say what's up and, and make sure we link up while you're out here. Right now, though, we're talking about Daniel Jeremiah saying of the three teams expected to go QB, one, two, three, Chicago, Washington, New England, the team he's most sure will take a quarterback is the Commanders. Or, excuse me. Unsure. Least sure. Yeah, most unsure. He's the, mo- he's the least certain but the most unsure let's also. See, let's make it more confusing. Yeah. The team that he has questions about he's is He's not unconcerned in a concerned sort of way. Yeah, he, he, there's, 
they're not tipping their hand. Now, part of that was, I don't say frustrating, that's not the right word, but part of that, you know, kind of governed their coaching search here, right? Was there was nothing coming out. We're trying to, you know, deduce oh, and put pieces together. I wonder if maybe that's it. Again, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm trying to explain why this could be. That actually makes sense. Like, he's talking to people either with New England or have talked to the Patriots, and they've got a pretty good vibe. Like, yeah, they're getting a quarterback. We know it. They've already told us. Or the Bears are saying, Look, we're going to do whatever we got to do, but this Caleb Williams guy looks pretty good. And maybe just like the coaching search, when mm-hmm. there was nothing coming out from the room itself, that there were no leaks. They used a bunch of tape. No water was coming out of the boat at that point. Maybe it's the same thing where he's saying he's unsure. He's not 100% because he's not getting the same conviction because he's just not getting the intel. That's what I wonder. I, I mean, again, I'm trying to figure out how we got here, right? Because – you, you made the point that it might be too early for silly season. I think it might be the start of it. Like, we're on the border of silly season, so let's move silly season up. It's like Christmas creep where it's like Halloween happens and then the decorations go up. I don't know. But I'm trying to figure out how that could, A, a be true in the sense that they wouldn't take one, or A, be true that that's what he's heard, that there's uncertainty. You felt Like, there's Definitely. a distinction there. So in, in terms of let's just treat it like a report, treat it like it's, it's a thing where they may not do it. I have a hard time seeing the vision. The same way, frankly, and this doesn't change anything, it doesn't make it good, bad, or different, I have a hard time seeing the Dan Quinn vision also, right? I had a hard time three weeks ago when he was just one of the candidates instead of waiting around for, again, almost a month, and then he becomes the guy. It's hard for me to see that process and see the, the, the two years from now in the NFC title game or whatever we're supposed to be, to be viewing. Hard for me to see it. It's hard for me to see them not coming out of this first round with a quarterback. Maybe they do, but it's hard for me to see. If it's up to Danny Ruye, when do you decorate your house for Christmas? You use that as an analogy. I'm just curious now. If it's up to me, the first full weekend in December. So if December 1st happens on a Monday. Oh, so you're not the guy that, like, the weekend after Thanksgiving. No. It has to be December something. That's how, That was what feels right to me. What about your wife? Up to her. It's whenever she says is the right time. So we – now, I, I got I to gotta tell you this. Uh, as you know, she's wonderful. I love her very dearly. We just this week, this week, put our, our Christmas tree out for, for disposal. Really? Yeah. I love that about the Ruiz. Well, it, it, you know, it, my wife has not said a word yet, uh-huh. but I have my own Christmas tree in the basement. Do you think it's down yet? It's you still keep it up. up? I don't know what she's going to let me do or not let me do, but I have not taken if it If nobody down. says anything, it's going to stay up until when? After the football season, for sure. Post-Super Bowl uh, – which is, you know, it's coming up quick. I'm going to – I'll say sometime in March I'll probably get it down. March. Yeah, get a free weekend. That's that's ultimately or a third of a year. What I'd really love to do I – don't, I just don't have the space. If I had, like, a closet or something is just drag it in there and then drag it back out. Just keep it decorated. Keep that tree alive as best you that's can. That's actually my, my move. So if it was up to me, we would decorate for Christmas, I would say, on November 1st. As soon as it's November, really? Christmas. My wife is adamant that you can't do it until after Thanksgiving. Just a, just a thing. Yeah, I think she's right on that one. The, I, I just, we all like, no one's anti-Christmas. We like it. But November's early. You still have a great holiday that you need to respect. You're not anti-Christmas. You just don't want the tree up that long, and you don't ever want to take your kids to meet Santa. And you're not that excited about Christmas morning. Just make sure you throw all the stuff away really quickly, all the, all the wrapping and the, the trash. Well, you've got to dispose of the trash. You're going to leave trash around? But no, Of course not. But you just your concern that morning is let's not make a mess as we open things up. No, no, no. It's, it's the joy of the kids. 
But, oh, is or, it? but orderly. Is it? Yeah, joy but it's orderly kids. joy. We How much is it the joy of the kids? It's the whole point. Okay. And when it doesn't happen, it's frustrating. But, and then it's doubly frustrating if there's a big mess, too. Let's go to the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Lou is listening on the Odyssey app. Lou. Myrtle Beach. Spent some time there growing up. What's up, Lou? Hey, just called it. I just don't understand why we don't trade down and take Bo Nix. He reminds me so much of Josh Allen. Built like him, throws. Can, and you know what? He's a winner. And he's experienced as far as that, what he his fifth season there with Oregon. He's experienced for sure. So, <laughs> he's been around a while. So if you want the, experience, this is the year for you at quarterback. Knicks and Penix. I think well, we lost. Thanks for the call, like a, buddy. Uh, I I don't look at Bo Nix and see Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a huge guy. Bo Nix is not six. Really. I mean, it's not like, it's not like he's small, no. but he's he's. And again, this is going to sound like I'm knocking him. He's closer to Sam Howell's size than he is Josh Allen's size. Correct. Six two, two fifteen, two twenty. I think. But. Look, it is not crazy to me if your idea is trade down and take Michael Penix or trade down and take Bo Nix if you really, really like those guys. If someone calls up and says that during this process, sure, you watched him, you like him, that's fine. Mm -hmm. As long as your result is you get a quarterback, okay. The problem with that is when you trade down, you're not guaranteed to get the guy anymore. What if someone takes Bo Nix ahead of you? What if all the other quarterbacks are gone? Now what? You're screwed. What if they take Bo Nix and you're settling for someone you don't like as much, whether that's Penix or somebody else? That's why I'm not playing that game. I also happen to really like Drake May and really like Jaden Daniels. So at number two, it's really easy for me. Williams goes 1-1. Chicago Bears take him and they trade Justin Fields. Or they don't, by the way, and someone else trades up and take Caleb Williams 1-1 ideally. And then at number two, I am choosing between Drake May and Jaden Daniels. And as Adam Peters, it's going to be my call, but I want to hear from everybody. Submit me a report. You're working for me. You're on my payroll. Submit me a report. I'm even Danny Covey Rears. Okay. Covey Rears. I'm covering him. I'm even letting the Marty submit me a report. Oh, come on. I want to hear from everybody, and we're going to come together. We're going to have oh. a big, nice conversation over We're going to break bread. Maybe we're going to eat steak and potatoes Mm-mm. at uh, – where does the, they, they always go to D.C. Prime out there in Ashburn. That's one we're of the We're going to have a big dinner at D.C. Prime, and then I'm going to tell everyone what we're doing. After I listen to everyone's input, I'm going to say – Right now, this moment, Drake May, because it reminds me of Justin Herbert. But I, I could go Jaden Daniels by the end of this thing. I'm open to that possibility. It also depends on who's my offensive coordinator. What kind of quarterbacks have they worked with? What is their proclivity? Are they a whisperer when it comes to dual threats and mobile guys and uh, designing read option stuff? Are they awesome with more traditional athletes in the pocket? There's a lot of things that will lead up to it, but – the whole beauty of, of hoping they lost over and over and over again down the stretch <laughs> and, and the stars aligning in this way that was magical and should have never happened was that you got the number two pick so that you could choose between the two great quarterbacks that are going to be sitting there as prospects. I would call for reports for Marty and Martin and Marty and Marty, and I would say, my tuchus is dirty. I need your reports. I would say it's cold in my office. We Don't need to light a fire. You're being mean. We need to light a fire. I need some kindling. You're being mean. There's a stain on the carpet. I've wet the stain. Let's dab it up. You need to dab it. It's real alpaca. I'm going to dab it this with your report. This is $25,000 alpaca. You blot that ass. We're going to blot. We're going to blot with your report, Name Marty. the movie, Ryan. Name the movie. That's real alpaca. Of course not. You blot. It's a clown suit. It's a clown suit. Like a clown? You mean Mickey Bond? Nicky Bonds and them? You got nothing. Nothing. That's disappointing. But Let's not unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's catching shrapnel right yeah. now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ryan. That was Tony in Long Island. Hello, Tony. Tony. How are you? It's American Gangster. Guys, how are we doing? Good, buddy. Good. 
Grant, I really feel sorry for you. I, I love you, man. You know, I at night I see your tweets and I, I see that, you know, the second you, you tweeted out about Clint Kubiak, I was like, man, I feel it's not going to happen. <laughs> like, Grant, every time you... <laughs> every time you have a suggestion, they go in... They go in the opposite direction. <laughs> it's been a tough week, buddy. Oh, oh, man. Oh, it has been a tough week. Oh, that got me. As soon as you tuned out uh, on the guy. The second I saw ben Johnson, all right. Congra- uh, congrats, uh, we yeah. got him, said the team. I was Mr. Washington. Mike McDonald for 24 hours. I, I talked myself into Anthony Weaver for some reason that made no sense. It has been a tough week, yeah. oh, buddy. Oh, man. Hey, listen, you know, I have no problem. If they, I am not as high on Drake May as, as, as you are, Grant. I think there's some serious flaws there. But, I mean, Jaden Daniels I could get on board. But if they like somebody else and it goes into the mid-first round, late first round, and a guy like Sean Payton wants to jump all the way up and give us multiple ones, multiple twos, with the roster we have, I mean, how can we say no? It's if they're high on somebody else, and that's the key. We have to be in love with another quarterback. Well, uh, thanks for the call, by the way, Tony. Appreciate you. Uh, So, a couple of things. I don't have a problem really, truly with trading back and getting their guy. If they love a quarterback and they land him, the problem with doing that is, unless you're trading back to three, you don't know that you're getting that guy. Mm -hmm. It is such a risk. I have seen too many times and seen the stories over the years of, you know, we thought we were doing this, and we had everything lined up, and then they jumped up in front of us. I do not want that to happen this year where the, the draft ends or the, the first round ends, and everyone's happy because, you know, they moved back, they added a pick, but then the, instead of quarterback, they had to go defensive end or tight end even, which would make me happy. But they don't have a quarterback now, and they're dipping into the second round pool, and this is a guy that can compete with Sam Howell and possibly be a starter. You are in the catbird seat. When you trade back, you increase the risk. And by the way, you increase the chance that the guy does not pan out. I'm not saying that picking second overall is a one-way ticket to having uh, a 10-year answer at QB. Okay, It obviously is still a – I wouldn't even say it's a 50-50 proposition. What is that? Maybe a 40-60 that you get a franchise quarterback? 30, uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe at best, 35 uh, 65 or whatever, but the chance at number two is better than the chance at number nine. It's better than the chance at 18. Uh, and where we've disagreed a little bit so far this offseason, uh, me and, and this regime, is I'm just all for whatever is the most likely way to get to the, the final The verdict. desired destination. The, the highest yeah. percentage chance to win offensive right now, they went defensive. Cool. Quarterback at two, if they move back and get one at nine, Good for them. But you're adding risk. Adam Peters in San Francisco found one at the end of the seventh round. It can be done. It just gets harder and harder and harder and harder. And Kyle Shanahan's not walking through that door to, to make Brock Purdy really good. And it doesn't sound like his, uh, you know, uh, the guy he's mentoring right now, Clint Kubiak, is either. He well, might be going to New Orleans. I mean, there's that rare circumstance. And obviously it's not the same because I'm about to talk about a fantasy draft. But there are those rare circumstances where you do that quick math in your head where you're four picks away and there are three guys that you like. And does, does the one team that's going to be, be the variable end up taking that guy, one of those three guys, leaving you high and dry? And you can gamble or not. 
Now, that doesn't really happen in the NFL draft very often just because it's so finite, but, but if you go, we can move back a little bit and move around, maneuver around the board and pick up a special picks and still get our guy. If you pull it off, it's great. It's a coup. That's awesome. But, man, is it hard to do. He's Danny. I'm Grant. Question for you, 800-636-1067. Jeremiah, NFL Network, top draft analyst maybe in the country, suggesting he's not convinced the commanders take a quarterback at two. What do you think of that? You're listening to the fan. Grant and Danny on the fan. We are getting ready for the big event tonight at Bethesda Theater. It is 106.7, the fan versus our counterparts down the hall, live with special guest Jonathan Allen. Oh, hello there. The commanders will be in the house. So if you are one of the, I don't know, 500 or so listeners going to be mm-hmm. taking part this evening out here, you're going to have a good time. Speaking of which, it is time for our double play. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. But it's Friday. What do you want me to? What do you? What are you pointing at right there? Kick off your oh, future with the law firm of Condori and Murad, <laughs> the official Grant and Danny show sponsor. They can help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their I screwed you on that one. Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit KMLawyers.com. Mention the show to score yourself a discount. That's KMLawyers.com. I spun my computer over to Danny yep. and pointed at the uh, Condori and Murad read, and he go, he just goes, "It's Friday." Because I thought, I thought you were doing the du- like a double play sponsor because uh, I can't get – the Wi-Fi just conked out, so I can't get mine up, but you've got yours up. And I was like, no, no, I thought you, thought you wanted me to read the sponsor for the double play. But it's Friday. We normally went off the field, but we're all like wires crossed just there. I, I think, I, I think I, it was probably my fault. You going to be all right? Nope. Rub some dirt on it. Yeah. Uh, it's double play time, Danny. What's going on in your life? Nothing to do with sports. So I got myself a cool thing going on. Uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary. On Netflix. I've heard a lot about this. Is great. And Bill Burr turned me on to this a couple of years ago um, where he was like, in, in a joke, and he, was, he made a, a bunch of funnies off of this, but he's like, we don't properly appreciate this story. From a dude that like, couldn't speak English, that grew up in some podunk town in Austria, to be second in the Mr. Universe competition at 19 years old, become an American action hero, Again, with barely, with nary an ability to speak the language beyond like a couple cursory phrases when he first got to the United States. An unbelievable blockbuster film career, governor of the largest state in the union, and has had this unbelievable run from nothingness to pinnacle of success. And uh, I'm only about a quarter of the way through it, I would say, at, at this point. But it, just an awesome story. Like his drive to do more, right? He was in this little village in, in Austria. You know, and he's talking about he's growing up there. Was everything was very nice, and but everyone was content to stay there. I met these other guys, and I was like, I got to get out. I got to go to America. I want to be a bodybuilder. And like, this little dude makes that happen. Like his brother looks like a regular guy. His brother's not like yoked. It's not like his dad was was lifting you know five thousand pounds of this, that, and the other. He just decided I'm going to never stop training and make myself this incredibly yoked monster to play like. Uh, Conan the Barbarian and Hercules and win all the competitions and stuff. Amazing. It's so far I've been I've been uh, really a governor. Yeah, it's like like, crazy. Like what on what planet does that happen? But this one, it's amazing. I I only really read biographies of athletes Mm -hmm. and coaches. Pretty much sports centric. But that's one I think I would actually read. What a story. Yeah, you know that that might actually be able to capture my attention. All right, time for my double play. Eight. Point seven five Buffalo Wings. 
8.75 Buffalo Wings mm-hmm. out of 10. NASCAR, full speed, Netflix. It's great. Get in, people, from the gentlemen and ladies that brought you quarterback. This is Last Chance You. This is the Mahomes Cousins Mariota. This is Drive to Survive. <laughs> full speed, Netflix, NASCAR. We're following around some of the top competitors on the circuit last year as they were vying for the points title. You don't have to be a NASCAR fan. Which I am not. Danny is not. You loved it. It was you are loving fantastic. It. It's done. I need more of it. Uh, they, so what they did is they chose to basically do the playoff part. No spoilers, yeah. right? I mean, you, we, these events have already occurred. I mean, I wouldn't wear them. I, it wasn't on my radar. But they basically just did the playoff push, ending, championship type stuff. Yeah, so they pick up yeah. essentially as we are whittling down the field. Ten drivers make the uh, – 16 drivers actually eventually uh, initially make the playoffs. And we're whittling down the field to those 16. And it's the penultimate maybe race of the season at mm-hmm. the start. And so you're seeing the fight to get in. And they start – really it turns into the Denny Hamlin show initially. But it's Hamlin and William Byron and Ryan Blaney and uh, Bubba Wallace and some of the top competitors, yep. some of the guys that are more villainous on, on the circuit. Like, I can't stand this guy, Ross Chastain, the watermelon farmer. He just wrecks everyone. He doesn't care about anybody ever. Is he the guy that did that wall maneuver? Yes, that's him. Crazy wall maneuver, by the that's way. The nut, that's the most nutso thing I've ever seen. It's a, so just know that I brought it up on the show, yeah. and you no-sold it so hard. You're like, okay, when can we talk about something meaningful? But now you get it. Well, now I get it. That was the craziest thing anyone's ever done. So they get the, so in, in the, the Drive to Survive ones, which are so awesome, like yeah. the guy that helps us bridge the gap is like they got the guy that covers Formula One. So he's like this, and he's explaining the rivalry is absolutely intense. Then they go to the next thing, yeah. just to set the stakes. Like the, the, the uh, reporters, the that reporter are guy. About. Yeah. So the guy they got here, Marty Smith, is, I want to say his it's name my is my guy, Marty, Marty Smith. Smith. You know Marty Smith. He does a lot he of does college football, football too. Yeah. He's ESPN. Yeah. He's like it is the most insane maneuver I have ever seen in a race car. <laughs> it's Dude, now illegal. By the way, Marty Smith was so good. Marty on Smith's this documentary. On this. Like, I want Marty Smith on this show to tell him that he did a great job on that. You need who what, like whatever that's called. Yeah. Our A list. Yeah. We're making a documentary. We're going to come to him and say we need to connect this to this. Yeah. Say something. Because you're there to explain it to people that aren't in on. Like he's there for me. I you, think. Did you watch BSI Bishop Sycamore? Oh yes, I did. Bomani Jones on that documentary did that. Was great. He was unbelievable. Agreed. He was so good. But you need that. And, mm-hmm. and Shannon Spake is very good. Who covers NASCAR? Mm-hmm. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is kind of like the the Robin to Marty Smith's Batman. But he's so good on this thing. But you're right. He's like nobody's ever done anything like this. And for people that that don't know, essentially uh, the specifics are I don't remember them. But basically, he's trying to get into the uh, the, the the he needs to finish in a certain spot to get into the playoffs, and he's behind a bunch of cars, and it's a short track where there's no passing, really. Like he's you, stuck, and he's got yeah. seconds left before his season's over. It's the final lap, and he puts his right side of his car up against the wall where you run most of the day, and he just – think about this as if you're at a go-kart place, and it when you bring the go-karts back in, like everyone starts slowing down because it's the end or, you know, they're kind of in line coming in. If you just kept going 100 on the outside, like riding the track, and he just rides the wall and passes another, like, 14 cars, they've now made it illegal. Yeah. But, yes, that guy, I can't stand him. He just wrecks everyone all the time with no remorse whatsoever. 
But, uh, man, oh, man, dude, what a great series that was. It is. It's fantastic. It left me wanting more, and I do mean it. I need it for the whole season. I need a start to finish. There's a lot of Michael Jordan on the show. There's a little bit of Joe Gibbs for some DC flair. I would say a good bit of Joe Gibbs. A, a solid amount of Joe Gibbs. I'm telling you, this show rules. Whatever this genre of show is, I have followed soccer teams that I don't care if they fell off the face. If the earth swallowed up Bayern Munich, I wouldn't care tomorrow. I mean, it'd be sad, obviously, like people would lose their lives. But, like, you know it's what I mean? It's not my favorite. My favorite Byron's Byron Kerr. Byron. Byron. Oh, okay. I like, uh, I like Byron Scott. But I like Byron Kerr, too. But I don't care about these teams. But these documentaries where you get this kind of access and it's presented in such an entertaining way, I can't get enough of them. Yeah. Just keep making them in perpetuity. I like Byron Leftwich. I will watch all of them. Tom Byron. I'll let you have this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tip I couldn't my, think of another Byron. I'm going to tip my Lord cap. Byron? I don't know. I got nothing else. Great show. Check it out. I'm giving it 8.75 Buffalo Wings. And good news for you, Danny. Mm-hmm. I've got more of the show for you. It's called the Daytona 500. It's coming up in just a couple of Ugh. weeks. You and me. It's a lot. Flat of... screen television. Are they going to condense it to a 40-minute episode? No, no, no. It's several hours long. How much Marty Smith do I get? Lots of Marty Smith. Do I really get a lot of Marty Smith? No. Mm. It's on Fox. He works for ESPN. But you, you get some people you'll like. Now, do I do I get Dr. Jerry Punch? You get Larry Mack. I'm not into Larry Mack. America's crew chief. Do I get, if I? Danny, here's a chassis, okay? <laughs> here's what they're doing with the chassis. If you were able to give me Marty Smith in some capacity. He's good. I, that's like chum in the water for me. I'm, I'm very into Marty Smith right now. The, the Marty Smith moment that made the whole documentary. I think it was on the trailer, not surprisingly. But when he's like, you go to that race. The sounds. And you hear like, Uh like, the flames. You know, he's like narrating. He's like, Uh the smells are intoxicating. And he just keeps saying the word intoxicating. He's like, it is an intoxicating sensory experience. I'm like, I believe you, Marty Smith. He's cool. Watch the show. Uh, Grant and Danny on the fan from Bethesda Theater. The Beltway Blitz is next. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. It is a pleasant and chilly Friday afternoon, February 2nd, 2024. Today's the two-year anniversary of 2-2-22. You remember that day? <laughs> I forgot about that. We're the commanders. <laughs> two years ago today. Doug, what is it? Tonight, 8 p.m. right here at the Bethesda Theater. We've got a live event. If you don't have tickets, it's too late. We sold this joint out. 106.7 The Fan Team 980 up on stage this evening. But, uh, hey, I guess you could still come and, and try to, like, buy tickets from someone, and then they'll just go to dinner so they can make a profit or something. I don't know how that works. I don't know either. I, I don't know how, how the exchanges might work here. I, you might be SOL this time. Maybe you show up and you, you just beg someone. and I, I don't know. I don't know. Can't be for sure. But we'll say hi to you when you get in the doors. We are sitting here broadcasting uh, as the doors open tonight on Grant and Danny. It is time for our Beltway Blitz covering. The Commanders, the Wizards, and we start with the NFL. Our buddy Mike Jones of The Athletic to get things popping. Jonesy, the Commanders search didn't look great from the outside in. It landed on Dan Quinn. How should we feel? Um, well, it. I, I understand the kind of almost like, uh, I don't know, almost a little bit of a letdown. Uh, type of feeling and I think that fans were expecting something fresh and new and more exciting than a retread coach Uh, but everybody I talked to I asked around the league I sent out a text blast to coaches front office people and everybody says hey it's a smart hire Uh, this is a guy who is um, they say no it's very different than Ron Rivera I even asked some people who used to work in Washington said oh no who were familiar with him who said no way different uh, than Ron Rivera Yes, he's a defensive guy. Yes, culture is a big thing to him, but he's a different guy. Also, uh, you know, he's going to put them in position to succeed. As far as his guys, they're always going to be well-prepared. This is what I've been told. And so, yes, it wasn't sexy. It wasn't exciting like a young offensive whiz like uh, Ben Johnson. But everybody I talk to around the league thinks that this is a strong leader and the guy that Washington needs. So, Mike, for me, the point I can't get past, and I'm, I'm sure, not, not, not even that, I'm sure fans have already gotten sick of me saying this to a degree. The part I, I can't get past is there's no way around how it looks, right, that they right. ended up having to settle or it was a consolation prize. If they had jumped on Dan Quinn, you know, shortly after uh, the Dallas loses, get their second interview in the, in the week of the, you know, the 15th or the 22nd when all these other teams are making their hires and said, I know you guys had, were thinking about something else figuratively, but we love this guy. He blew us away. It would feel different to me than it does right now where they missed out on a couple prizes. Everyone else hired someone, and they said, we're both left at the end of the bar at 2.30 at night. Uh, you want to go home? That's how it feels. It definitely feels that way. Um, I don't know if we will ever know uh, for sure. I mean, did Adam Peters or, you know, other members of the ownership team, did they want Dan Quinn? And did somebody, maybe Josh Harris, we don't know, say, hey, 
let's just do our due diligence. Let's make sure we give everybody ample time. Um, and we like all of these two or three guys and think they're very even. And let's take our time. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, I talked to a couple people who said, hey, I know it seems like it based on conversation and media reports, but uh, Ben Johnson was not a slam dunk. I asked several people if they were surprised when he decided he was going to stay, and some people said no, not surprised, surprised by the timing of it, that he waited till they were in the air to come that way to, to pull out, but not surprised. So we're putting bits and pieces and trying to connect dots and things like that, and they're going to put a spin on it. Oh, we loved him all along. He was our guy. We were doing due diligence. I don't know if we'll ever know the truth, but it sure does feel like you were, like you said, you know, left there at the bar and decided, hey, let's let's go give this a go. Mike Jones of The Athletic. Mike, what do you think the Bears are going to do at number one? Really good question, and everybody asks. Nobody really knows. They have options because of the fact that, okay, you could trade down. You could get in a weapon. Uh, right there at number one for Justin Fields, or you could take another quarterback. Um, uh, you know, you think Caleb Williams there. And we just don't know. The fact that they changed offensive coordinators, I've talked to some people who feel like, hey, well, that to me makes it feel like Matt Eberflus is saying, hey, let's try to find a better guy for Justin Fields. But I've heard other people say, ah, to me, I feel things that they're going to just totally start fresh 100%. So nobody really knows. I don't know if the Bears even know right now. I think that they're probably going to, you know, entertain all of their options, see what kind of offers they get, um, and decide. But, you know, that is going to hang over us. It's going to take forever for April to get here for us to find out what they're going to do. Super Bowl-wise, early lean, what are you thinking? I my, – my – Brain says don't bet against Mahomes. He and Andy Reid are going to find a way. They've been there before. Experience has been a big factor in these playoffs. The other part of me feels like uh, given another crack, Kyle Shanahan's going to find a way to get this thing done. Obviously, offensive weapons-wise, the 49ers have more. That defense of the Chiefs, it's funny how they've evolved from being this team that's got to score 30-something points to win games to now being a really nasty defense, and then Mahomes and them just finding a, a way to do just enough to win. Um, I think it's going to be a really good chess match, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other. I keep talking myself out of one uh, and the other going back and forth. What will next weekend do for the Brock Purdy discourse? Well, if he wins, then it will be like, oh, hey, this guy, you know, if he wins and it's not, you know, game manager, uh, they win in spite of mistakes made by him. Um, if he actually goes out there and plays like he did against Detroit, then it's like, okay, this guy is definitely um, more of a player, an actual playmaker, a guy who could you can really win with, not win in spite of. If he goes out there and struggles, then all of the people, the Cam Newtons, uh, we'll say, hey, told you, game manager, not a playmaker. Uh, and, you know, so there's a lot of pressure riding on him for his sake. Hopefully he can just continue to do what he's done, play within the system, take what the defense gives to him, scramble when he needs to, make some throws here and there, big throws, uh, and not play outside of himself because when you start trying to force things is when things fall apart for you. Mike, thank you as always, buddy. Talk soon. See you guys. Thanks. Have a good one. Hit that wizard sounder, please. 
Our pal Ava Wallace covers the Wizards. That's why she's on the Beltway Blitz to talk about the Wizards. Ava, let's look at the road ahead. The schedule, they're leveling up a difficulty here. Yeah, it's got an interesting matchup against the Heat tonight, who won their most recent game, but before that hadn't won since January 15th, so I'm kind of interested to see the level they're at tonight. But, uh, yeah, the road only gets harder, and Marvin Bagley's out with a lower back contusion, so I'm wondering how that's going to affect the uh, the rotation kind of down low. I'm excited because they did win two in a row, and they have won two out of three, but the wins were against the Pistons and the Spurs. So how should I feel about that? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird quandary. You know, I, I passed Michael Winger, the president of Monumental Basketball, after that uh, Spurs game, who yelled down the hallway at me, it's spelled S-T-R-E-A-K. So, you know, people people were pretty excited about that one. Um, I, I kind of wrote that in my story. Yeah, it's two of the worst teams in the NBA, but they are two teams that the Wizards had lost to before. Um, and the way I measured it is things felt a little bit different. Like, they're playing defense a little bit differently. I thought Kyle Kuzma put it really, really well when we asked him about kind of the effects of the coaching change. And uh, more than anything, it was a wake-up call. So they're bringing a different energy these days, and I'm wondering uh, how long it's going to last. So a couple guys on the injury report here. That I guess folks were sick of something going through the locker room, and also Marvin Bagley was, was banged up. What do we know about those guys? Yeah, not just the locker room. We had we had two members of, of Press Row down with flu-like Oof. symptoms earlier this week, too. So something's definitely going around, but it looks like Jordan Poole uh, and Landry Shamit should be available to play tonight. And uh, Shamit, you know, for kind of as quiet of a season he's had, big picture is, is really important to that second rotation and kind of making sure that they play crisp offense. And, of course, Jordan Poole is eager to show people uh, just how seriously he's taking the coaching change, too. I, I asked him about that in San Antonio, you know, how, how big of a deal with that and how much you could feel it around the locker room. And he said heavily. So I was interested to hear that. Hmm. Have you noticed differences? I have noticed differences in that it's become clearer to me that people in the locker room were happy with the change, that something needed to change, um, that guys are saying that they're more bought in, the way they're approaching rebounds are different. They're, they are installing, in the middle of installing, a pretty different defense from what Wes Unsell Jr. was playing. So, um, of course, they're not you know, not able to make that change all at once, and that's coming slowly and steadily. But they are doing different things schematically. And, and you know, with the trade deadline coming up in a week, it'll be interesting to see how how quickly they can get guys on board. Yeah, they've gone with the some defense strategy over none. It's just like it's a huge right. adjustment there. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is the thing. I, I like seeing teams like the Clippers, who have been a buzzsaw over the last couple of months, come into town, a, a nice little measuring stick. You know, going back and forth with them, I think, is good for young guys like Bilal Kolobala to see. No, no, it's not just, you know, you're beating up Jeremy Sohan. That's cute. But now right. we see some of these real adults that are championship contenders. I think that's good for the young man. It's also good for them to see that, you know, really good teams will make you absolutely pay for things like turnovers, like little things that the Wizards have been doing all year where they've been kind of sliding by and then turnovers turn into the, well, it was the rebounding problem where the ball started sticking. But really, it was just the Clippers really capitalized on a little dip in focus in the third quarter. Things got a little sloppy. And they had something like six turnovers in the quarter, but the Clippers absolutely shoved it back in their face. And it was a, I think it was a good lesson, like you said. Ava, thank you. Good chatting. Thanks, guys. We'll catch up soon. Let's keep the blitz moving. Michael Phillips, you hear him on our Odyssey station in Richmond, and he writes in the Washington Times. Michael, your thought on the last week here of this coaching search that landed with Dan Quinn as the head man. 
I mean, my thought is it's a blitz with Mike Jones, Grant Paulson, and Michael Phillips is basically 2013 and Ashburn all over again. This is pretty exciting. <laughs> you ain't kidding. Uh, I know, exactly. Uh, look, I'm underwhelmed by Dan Quinn. Uh, I am willing to give the new regime the benefit of the doubt. I, the thing I've been saying is most important thing is Dan Snyder's gone in this new ownership. Number two most important thing is drafting the right quarterback and, and pairing him with a good offensive coordinator. All of those things are still possible, still in play. Uh, no matter how underwhelmed I am, they can still get a great quarterback at number two. They can still get a great offensive coordinator. Now, field's a little bit picked over. I'm sure we'll dive into it. I am a Chip Kelly guy. I know some people aren't, uh, but I think that's a really important hire right now on deck. I'm a Chip Kelly, Kelly guy, too. What case should we be making for Chip Kelly to be the OC here? Chip Kelly, it, it literally changed the NFL. There, there's like 12 people who can say that, you know, over the past couple decades. You think about like Michael Vick coming in and changing the way the quarterback position was played. Kaepernick running the Wildcat. Chip Kelly changed the way NFL offenses work. And a lot of those concepts are still fully in play throughout the league. Uh, there were a lot of things Chip Kelly did not do well. And those are well documented in a lot of places. But one thing that guy could do was take a piece of paper, write a play on it, and that play was going to get you 10 yards and a first down in a football game. I like that. What's your level of confidence as a percentage that the commanders draft a quarterback when they're on the clock at number two? Um, I think to me you're just asking what's the percentage that they turn in the card when they're on the clock. It, it, exactly, it, exactly, yeah. It, it, it's complete malpractice. I, I don't. I'd spare me that Marvin Harrison's a future Hall of Famer, that, that, that you know, Joe Alt's a, a great offensive lineman. People used to wear pig noses here, so they need to take an offensive lineman. No. If you turn in the card at number two, you pick a quarterback or you trade out of the pick. And I am, I am fine with the trade out if, if that's what Adam Peters feels. I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, with that, if he wants to make a move, if he doesn't fall in love with any of these guys. That said, I think he understands. And, and you know, some people say, like, they, the Niners missed on Trey Lance, so, so he learned from that. I think what he learned from that was when you have a chance to be top five, you take it because you might not ever be there again. If Adam Peters does this correctly, they're never going to be turning in a top five card again. I think you got to take the chance and pick a quarterback. That's not a number, Grant. None of that was a number, but I think they're going to take a quarterback. We both, we all do. All three of us do. I, I, I'm forcing myself here, Miguel, to be open to the possibility that they might not, because simply because that keeps happening. You know what I mean? When I'm counting on something, then it doesn't occur. <laughs> I, I basically have to confront the idea that Adam Peters doesn't come in with decades of baggage uh, that I have. That he's he's not as quarterback starved as I am. Every second another franchise uh, QB is, you know, it's like poison to me. He, he's not with the, not stuck with the same bile. If they don't do that at two. What's the most likely scenario you could see them executing? Well, it's a trade down for sure. If they don't do that at two, I will ask on the air, on your program, if you guys invite me anywhere, anybody wants to give me a microphone, are they tanking? Are they running the process, right? If they trade out, I don't think they're trading for more picks this year. I think they're trading for picks in 25 and 26 and down the line. And then you ask, is this whole thing a process that they're running to do that? I don't think they are. I think they're going to take a quarterback. But if they don't, that's the very first question I'll ask. Michael, thank you, buddy. We appreciate you. Hey, have a great show tonight. It sounds exciting. Thank you, it's buddy. It's going to be really, really fun. We are fired up. We're actually here already. Bethesda Theater tonight. Doors at about 6. I think people are going to start streaming in here a little after 8, and we're going to get the show rolling soon thereafter. That is your Beltway Blitz. There's all kinds of football to talk, and we uh -huh. will talk it. Yeah. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. we, we talk pigskin. We do, yeah. I would like to talk a little baseball for a moment. 
if everyone doesn't mind. I'm so jealous of what's going on with the Orioles. It's unbelievable. We're not going to talk about like a, a, a pitching decision, and we're not talking about like a, a the sixth inning uh, having a hit and run called. This is bigger picture stuff, people. The Orioles stay with us. Sold. They sold. The Nationals were the team that was supposed to be selling. And one of the guys that was going to buy it. The, the Orioles immediately made a splash acquisition. That small market birds club that looks amazing, built for a World Series, yep. for arguably the best pitcher in the sport last yep. night. Yep. I'm just so jealous. I want that. We'll get into that next on Grant and Danny. Nice every now and then to change the location of the show out of our yeah. Half Street Studios over here in Bethesda, Maryland. Now, I haven't told anybody I'm a Virginian because we found out a few weeks ago, remember, Marylanders hate Virginians. We didn't know this. Well, we, didn't, we didn't know the extent. We do now. We, now we do. So I'm not going to let anybody know. I'm going to pretend like I'm a Marylander. If anybody asks, I'm going to say I'm from Maryland. Be like, uh, folks, I was born in Maryland, folks. Folks, come actually, on. Sneaky. I was. I was born in Olney. I was. I was too. Were you? Baltimore. In Olney? No, Baltimore. Oh, Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they I, do. Shut lived, up, Danny. We're doing a show. I lived in Olney for like three months. Then we moved to King George County. Lived mm-hmm. there for the rest of my life. I was born in Baltimore. Uh, my folks lived there for a couple of months. I think there was like a, 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 a mugging that they were involved in. You're doing a bit. I'm not. Uh, and they was like, you know, we should probably move. And that yeah. was the end of the Baltimore time. Did he Speaking bounce? Of- Speaking of Baltimore, mm-hmm. Birds baseball. The Orioles last night traded for Corbin Burns, yeah. the 2021 Cy Young Award winner, guy that perennially is one of the top vote-getters in the Cy Young balloting that's done in the National League. He's been pitching with the Milwaukee Brewers, arguably the best pitcher in the game, certainly one of the top five. They only gave up one of their top ten prospects, who's good, but – in their system, is utterly replaceable. One of the guys. It's a great system, and he's just kind of one of the guys that they've got in Joey Ortiz. And on top of that, D.L. Hall, who's a nasty lefty, probably going to end up in the bullpen, you know, pitching vital innings for Milwaukee, but you could stretch him out, try to start him. I just don't think he throws enough strikes. But they got an arm that's going to help him in Milwaukee in D.L. Hall. They got a, probably an everyday player, I would think, ultimately, in Joey Ortiz and the 34th overall pick, which you didn't used to be able to trade, but now you can trade some of the compensation picks. Uh, you, you can't actually trade normal draft picks in the baseball draft, so this is pretty historical. But I bring all that up to say Corbin Burns to Baltimore. Within 48 hours of Orioles fans finding out that the Angelos family is selling the team. It's not going to be overnight and imminent. We know how this goes. But they are selling the team. And I don't think it's a coincidence, Danny, that you find out you got new owners coming in here. Unlike the Angeloses who refuse to spend money, immediately they go out now and Mike Elias, who runs that front office, who's, I think, one of the best executives in all of sports, says, all right, we might have a chance to actually sign this guy. Let's bring in Burns. So he's got one year left. They'll try to get a deal done with him. The Brewers weren't going to be able to. And they just added him to the front of the rotation with Grayson Rodriguez, For a World Series Kyle Bradish, 100-win team. They are rolling. And as a Nats fan, I grew up a diehard Orioles fan all my life. I'm sitting here, Danny, and I am so jealous. It, it, I'm seething. It, it, this is not a good look on me. No. I'm so jealous about what the Orioles have going. It's hard not to. Because, as you said, 
I don't know what I don't know here. Maybe this deal with Corbin Burns and the Milwaukee Brewers was in the works, and it's just coincidental that David Rubenstein and company are going to take over as the controlling ownership group, even though they won't own the majority of the team. It sounds like for a little while, uh, not to be flippant about it, but the way that it was, the way I was reading, it sounds like if and when Peter Angelos ultimately passes, then team control will ultimately shift, and Rubenstein will have the ability to then buy the majority shareholders. But don't you think stake they're going to have an infusion of cash now? Oh, 100%. But it, and, and John Angelos is staying on it as a senior advisor for a while. Again, it's, it's all a little bit convoluted. But right now, David Rubenstein wasn't, and now he is, the controlling guy. He's the guy that's going to the, the owners' meetings, et cetera, as the face of the Orioles. It's real hard for me to believe that it's a coincidence. That it happened. Well, I don't think it is. I, th- I think the point is, yes, pull the trigger on this. Watch what we're about to do. Think about this. It's been two off seasons where this team, chock full of the game's best prospects, on the verge of being a powerhouse, has had all the toys that they want to play with that they could send off, pick any two of them out of your system that aren't your blue chippers, and you can get one of the best available arms, and they haven't done it. All off season, go get Dylan Cease. Go get Corbin Burns. Make a trade. Add a starter. It has not happened. And week has passed after week has passed. They've been idle all last offseason. They basically did very little all this offseason. And then as soon as the announcement comes out two days ago that they're actually being sold, now they make the splash move. It's it's just you're right. I mean, that would be one incredible coincidence. The largest coincidence in the history of coincidences. I'm going to connect a couple of dots here. But we could break down the Orioles if we wanted to. There's a radio station that does that uh, up in Battamore, uh, 105.7. We're a different number. We're a different station. I'm more thinking about this from the perspective of the Nationals. That was supposed to be my announcement. You know, I was supposed to be. Has it been two years since we found out the learners were trying to sell? Close to it, if not the, to it, the month. Yeah. It just feels like this team is being held hostage. There is no spending of money. And I'm a huge Mike Rizzo believer. Proof's in the pudding, man. He won a World Series in 19. They were one of the great teams in the National League in all of baseball in the regular season for the better part of a decade. That They built 90-plus win teams that should have had a lot more playoff success than they did. Some quirky things happened, whether it was bad management or bad luck. They didn't get out of the division series for the most part. But we've seen him build this thing. I know if you give him the resources, he can build you another champion. But here we're sitting in another offseason where every month, basically, they add some fringe major leaguer. The big move has been Joey Gallo, who we had on the show earlier this week. And by the way, Gallo was a 10 out of 10. He was great. He was so good with us. So grab that podcast if you missed it. But that's been the splash move. They went and got a former top five pick who's been a huge disappointment, who's probably not going to be an everyday player all year. And Nick Senzel, former star at Tennessee, who's been you know, just an okay tweener, infielder, outfielder with the Reds. They went and got Richard Blyer, reliever yesterday, and gave him a minor league deal. It's been multiple years of this. And I get it, Nats fans. Like, the, the kids are coming. James Wood's going to graduate. He'll be in the show this year. Dylan Cruz will be in the big leagues. But it is just so hard when right up the road, maybe it's specific to me because that's the team that I grew up loving and adoring, and you just kind of look – it's almost like the ex-girlfriend now for yeah. me. But I, if you're a Nats fan, you've got to be jealous. It's, it's just – it is hard to stomach the last couple of years while the neighbor constantly having a blast. They just got people coming to their house. They're having parties. They got great cars. Their yard looks better. It's really annoying. Well, they're intrinsically linked. It's not cra- – if, we if you and I were sitting here going, can you believe what the Dodgers get to do and we don't? Okay, that's different. 
they share the same crappy TV deal that the Orioles get the slightly better end of, but it's only slightly. You know what I mean? Like they, they are linked in the sense that they've never done a deal with each other. They don't like each other historically with the ownership groups, understandable. But you're watching one team that went from we're up for sale, it's going to change, to no, we're not because we can't get the price we want pretty much, to, well, we can't really do anything until Strasburg and Corbin are off the books, but mostly Strasburg. There's another three years of it. By the way, their sale was the Guardians kind of like changing their name, where it just happened one day. Yep. Now think about the difference. And, and I guess I was thinking about this driving the other day. I'm like, well, I guess I know the difference now between, you know, $1.7 billion or whatever it was and $6 billion. The difference is seven months of lawyers, essentially. Because you think about the commander sale, and I know football's a bigger deal. The NFL is just a king snake. But the, the difference in the coverage and the starts and the stops and the bidding war and everything that was happening with the commanders and the Orioles, it's not like there haven't been rumblings over the last couple of years. The Angeloses could sell. There was a time where people were like, they may move to Nashville. There's been all kinds of weird reporting. But basically – one day out of nowhere, our guy John Oren, who was at SBJ for a long, long time, mm-hmm. he's now at Puck, Puck News. News. He just drops a bombshell, and he's like, uh, hey, guys, the Orioles are selling. It's like, wait, I'm sorry. Oh, what? what? When Ryan got in my ear, I'm not doing a bit. Single most stunning thing that the producers have ever said to me during a show, and we were talking about, I think it was some breaking Commander's News, so we weren't about to get into the Orioles, but it was one of those remember-where-you-are moments where I'm going, oh, my God. My entire childhood – I would go to bed just hoping one day Dan Snyder won't own the Commanders. They were the Redskins then. I, I probably wasn't saying Commanders. You didn't say Commanders. You wouldn't have said that bad name. And one day Peter Angelos won't own the Orioles. And if you're one of those crossover Venn diagram people, because there's a lot of them listening to us, I'm quite sure. We're in Bethesda. A lot of people around here are, are, are that guy. I think there are people in Northern Virginia still that are that guy. Mm-hmm. If you, We all have friends like that. Sure, sure you do. If you're a Redskins-Orioles fan or now Commanders-Orioles fan, what a time, man. You, yep. you, Dan Snyder. You earned it. You went through Peter it, dude. And Peter Angelus yeah. are gone. And Corbin Burns is coming to town. And you got the number two pick. And you got Dan Quinn as your head coach. You lucky duck. But some of those are, are good. But, yeah, but the point is is 100%. Like it's, you're looking over the fence at your neighbor's yard going, man, that's a lot nicer than mine. I wish I could have some of those things. I wish I could have structures and hedges and bushes and a pool and a place to sit. Meanwhile, I'm supposed to be excited about fill in the blank. You know, like we're not that far removed when a down season, I'm using air quotes. Gesellman, that, that's who you're supposed to be yeah. excited a about. A down season was 86 wins the year after they won 98 ball games. That was a down year in Washington. Can you, I would, you're, we're pining for that. That's 30 more wins over the course of a season than we're used to over these last couple of years. It feels more about, it feels you know, cash-strapped, helpless. It feels very Pittsburgh Pirates, very Kansas City Royals. Meanwhile, your neighbor with, frankly, not the marketplace that you have is doubling up your win total and just added one of the five best pitchers in baseball. Well, in fairness, I guess we have to mention that when the Nats were just feasting, I mean, they were just sitting at the table eating whatever they wanted. Yeah. The Orioles were longingly looking from a couple blocks away. I mean, that team was so bad, and it was a great design. It's why I believe, not solely this, but this is just another example, let teams do what they want to do and leave them alone. Mm-hmm. Like, tanking is so smart, especially in baseball. Being mediocre is a waste of time. You should be bad as a means to be good. Get the high draft picks. Hit on those picks. Turn them into Jackson Holiday. Turn them into Colton Kowser, Adley Rutschman at 1-1. 
And the Orioles have. They've got the best system. Two years ago, Rutschman was the number one prospect in the sport. Last year, Gunnar Henderson was. He won the rookie of the year. This year, it's Holiday, who's going to be awesome when he gets called up. And that's just scratching the surface of that system. And when they traded for Corbin Burns, they didn't really even dent the system. They gave up a replaceable spare part who wasn't going to play for them much this season. would be an extra piece unless there were a few injuries. The depth they've got is amazing, but I am very, very envious. And I guess I just wonder. We'll get back into Dan Quinn, the commanders, the NFL at the top of the hour, I promise. Quick little change up here for you. What I wonder is, if you're a Nats fan, number one, we just want to take your temperature. Like, how are you feeling as you see the birds loading up after 100 wins? And where is your level of jealousy? But also, are you in a good place? Because this is kind of be a bit of a fun season with the kids coming up. Is that enough to tide you over? Or are you still really frustrated with the fact that there's no money being spent, that there aren't exciting big leaguers coming in here other than Gallo, unless they do something else? It was kind of an offseason of hitting fast forward until – you get James Wood and Dylan Cruz to, to help you sell some tickets. Yeah, you got the remote for, with Adam Cl- Adam Sandler from Click, and we're just supposed to get through this. I mean, I understand this not a, this shouldn't be a World Series contender right now. Very little they could do would make practical sense to make this group a hundred win team. I don't think that's what anybody's asking but for. This like the payroll this year is going to make last year look funny. Yeah, you know, or, well, because seventy like, million of it is Strasburg and Corbin. True, and and by the way, this we haven't even mentioned Strasburg. They still haven't sorted that out. Oh, no. Lest we forget the end of last season where they come out, they're going to have a big event. And are they retiring his jersey or are they not? There's a press conference. And somehow it was like our fault. I don't know. <laughs> and then they're not doing it. And uh, it looks like Strasburg and the agents, Scott Boris, are mad at the team. And the team is kind of saying publicly, hey, we, we still like Steven. We'll see. It's spring training. But that guy's never pitching He's again. He's never pitching again. We know that definitively now. Are they having a ceremony or are they not? Can you get them off the books or not? It certainly doesn't seem like it. But he and Corbin are, are the majority of their payroll yeah, at this Corbin point. makes 35-4 this year, Strasburg 35. 800-636-1067, you want to hop in. And we'll get back into the Commanders at 5 o'clock right here on The Fan. How you feeling? Just as a Nats fan... Looking across the way to our neighbors and seeing their 101 wins last year and everything going on. Chris is in Hyattsville. Chris, you've probably been waiting weeks for a chance to talk some baseball. I have. I have. Thank you for uh, the changeup, as you uh, say. And I saw what you did there, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, any success the Orioles have is infuriating to me. It's the proverbial salt in the wound. Uh, the, the analogy I'd like to make is that the Orioles are Teddy KGB, and we're Matt Damon. You following me? I am, yeah. They're well, that man rounders money. paying us back with our money. I pay you with your own money. That's what the Orioles And still, they haven't even paid. By the way, that lawsuit or all that deal, they haven't paid a dime of what they're supposed to have in back pay of the Nationals yet. And who knows when they're going to. Every time they sign a free agent, they're doing so at least partially with national revenue. From the Masson deal. The Masson arrangement is the most criminal exchange in sports except for, you know, NCAA college a- athletics. But it's the most criminal enterprise that's going on right now, and it makes me so angry. I wish them the worst. 
So he's not rooting for an so he, American let me write League that down. He's not into championship it. Championship series. Well, I mean, to me, I, I I don't know if I'm weird about this, but when I argued this years ago, and Orioles fans got furious at me, by the way, GP. But I argued that the Nationals started to get good was great for Baltimore, not because like they all of a sudden decided to now spend on Manny Machado or or, or something to that effect, but it it forced them to get their act together. After years and years and years of being more abound and the last place team in the AL East pretty much alternating with, with you know, one bottom feeder to the other, as the Nationals started to spend and kind of get going, it all of a sudden forced the Orioles to sort of do the same or lose even more of the market share. So I look at it that way, but I understand the uh, Chris's point as well. Yeah, but by that logic then, the Orioles being exceptional right now is good for business for the Nats. And I've signed up for the rebuild, and I'm perfectly fine with it. I think they're executing it beautifully. The Soto deal was outstanding. I thought so at the time. They needed to do it. The best time to trade Soto's never. He wasn't going to sign. There was no extension coming. He was going to free agency with Scott Boris. You had to trade him and recoup as many assets as possible. They did. They rebooted the system. They'll be better for it. And they've done a really good job, it looks like, since at trying to stock this system with as many prospects as possible. But it doesn't change that when you see a deal for Corbin Burns or this, the sale of the team that you can't pull off, that they're getting all the things that I want. Tyler's in Woodbridge on G&D. What's up, Tyler? Afternoon, gentlemen. Good um, so I will, I will say this. I'm, I'm definitely jealous, but I'm, I'm, I'm a Mariners fan. But I've lived in the area since 20, uh, 2010, so a lot of Nats games, Bulls games. I'm frustrated for you guys but mm. because I feel your pain. Our owners don't want to spend money, and our GM is all about this 54% crap where just win 54% of your games during the postseason and you have a chance. It's frustrating. It drives me insane, and I'm definitely jealous as a fan in general. Thanks, well, here's guys. what I'll say for you. Thank you for the call. Thanks, dude. Jerry Depoto's pretty good as well. You know, Him and Rizzo are two of the executives that have had a lot of success in this era. And you got Julio Rodriguez locked up at a pretty egregiously impressive deal. He's never leaving. That's your Juan Soto. So you got your Soto. He's locked in. You build around him. And you've made some really good deals. You've, you've made some trades, and you've gone out. You've gotten Luis Castillo was the most electric, best arm on the market. You've paid some money in the offseason. You don't sit things out. They're very active. They make a lot of trades. But I get your point where you're going, we're knocking on the door. We're close. Can we be more aggressive here? And they're relying, I think, a lot on their scouting and some yep. of the deals that they make rather than just throwing money at problems. Let's go to Fred Nanendale, home of the Adams. What's up, Fred? Fred is gone. Goodbye, Joe Fred. is in Reston, home of Reston. What's up, Joe? Ah. How's it going, guys? Um, Man. I, I really – honestly, I think what i got to start by saying is nothing, nothing good lasts forever. So I, I'm I don't care about the Orioles at all, to be honest with you. We were good for pretty much the better part of a decade, and we topped it off for the World Series. When I, I don't care what's going on with the Orioles, I, I think that good for you. What's happening right now is is perfect for us, and I think that I, I feel good about us rebuilding it, especially once we get out of the Strasburg and Corbin deals. Everything that is happening right now. It doesn't matter because we have a we have a, a a chip, and that's all that matters to me. My nerves. Thanks for the call. I hear you, Danny. My nerves are just. How sure are we that when it's time, ownership's going to spend again? That's. I think that's the central point here. That it, is my one anxiety because I think the prospects are in a good spot. They're yes. coming, but if it's next off season, you shouldn't go crazy. But 
you should be supplementing with some big league talent. And the, then the next offseason, you should go big. How sure are we they're going to do that? I'm, I'm not. And, and the analogy I've used on, on a couple hits, and it hadn't been a ton of, of requests for you and I to go on national radio shows what or happened? places to talk about the Nationals. We used to do that all the time. Yeah, we were, we were pretty featured all, the, all over the place. But a couple times I have, they, they sort of said, you know, kind of what's the, what's the deal, kind of where are we? I said this in the previous buildup was the Jason Worth offseason. A group that was kind of coming together, a nice young core, Ryan Zimmerman, Jordan Zimmerman, uh, Ian Desmond was on the way, a couple guys that were, you know, nice young pieces. This is when they said they surprised baseball, and they went and got a guy that was going to make them, a, not a contender, but make them viewed as serious. No longer the Natinals, no longer a punchline, no longer there just to finish last. They weren't going to win anything special, but they jumped up and got to 81 and 81. That preceded the 98 win season that, you know, we all know how it ended. But that was the kickstart. That would have been on the clock around this offseason where you had a group that was competitive and was even decent at times with a couple different stretches, guys like C.J. Abrams coming into their own, uh, you would go out and make that splash that nobody saw coming to elevate you a little bit into that mid-70s, low-80s win total. Then you're ready to take your next step when the kids are sort of you know, feet wet in the bigs, ready to, you know, to, to ascend. That didn't happen, and I don't know that it's going to. He's Danny. I'm great. I want to acknowledge something weird that's happening. So Danny's sitting in a chair. I'm now standing directly behind and him. And he's rocking back and forth, and I can't figure out which side he's going to be on. School bus style. Literally directly, like our shoulders are parallel, and I'm standing right behind Danny. Uh, I'm just standing up and dancing because I'm about to run to the little boys' room in yep. the break. But I've been here for about four minutes, yep. and I know it's weird, and you haven't acknowledged it, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, but we were sitting side by side and, like, looking at each other. I was trying to, like, make eye contact yeah. with you, and you keep swaying in the opposite direction. I know. I could have just turned one way, and if you just were there, we could have dealt with it. But, but we you, didn't. you keep, like, bobbing. And it's, it's like you and me are doing, like, a boxing match in the middle of the ring. I'm going to run way, down to the green room. Well, can we go through each individual player and their prognosis for the season and blow past our break here for the next no, handful of 10, have, 15 minutes? We have Why? Do you have somewhere to go? We have things that we have to do. It reminds me I wanted to ask you. No, when you stop. were growing up. Next, though, I do want to do this. <laughs> yeah. First, we're going to give away Wizards tickets at the top of the hour. So a handful of minutes from now, we're giving away Wizards tickets. You better be listening. That's number one. Number two. There was a report about the commander's coaching search that came out yesterday that I think we have to address that I think people will want to hear. We'll get into that next on G&D. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. 
That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at Hero.co. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Taking you to 6.30 on the fan where Grant and Danny kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad, the official Grant and Danny show sponsor. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com and mention the show to get a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. They'll be out here tonight at the Bethesda Theater for our big event. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Grant and Denny are proud to present your chance to win Washington Wizards tickets. Caller number 10. You'll have won two tickets to the Wizards game Saturday, February 10th, versus Philly as part of Black History Month, presented by Stagwell Capital. Wizards will be celebrating HBCU and D9 night. The first 10,000 fans in attendance will also receive a bobblehead of tennis star Francis Tiafoe, a Maryland native, and the second in our inaugural DMV Bobblehood series. Good luck. Caller 10 800 636 The green rooms downstairs are very nice. Are they pretty cool? There are like 10 different little rooms or something that mm-hmm. you could sit in. Yep. Like if they wanted to separate all of us, all the hosts of the yeah. different shows, like I did, I got my own room because I want my M&M's sorted just a certain way. I only like red M&M's, but I don't like yellow or green. But Danny's a giant pain in the ass, so he needs only yellow mm-hmm. M&M's. Right. Like we could all have our own room. They could cater it. I wanted Maggiano's, but Danny wanted Jetty, uh, Jetty Subs yeah. maybe. So like no J, no, you can't have two JPs in one room, for example. Right. So they, they're separate. I but- think we're all in like one, like jail cells. Every one of us uh-huh. is in our own little green room, potentially. So that way we don't interact. We don't talk. Everything's live. It's like when you, when you go on Letterman, he will not talk to you before you go out. And they'll do this call when you're on your way up to New York or whatever where they're like, hey, and they t- you tell them some stories and they put some things down on a blue card. And then he'll never reference it and never bring anything up yeah. that's on the blue card anyway. But he refuses to talk to anyone before the show because he wants everything to be spontaneous. I think we should all just be held in our little cells. Until the show starts, so everything's super spontaneous. What I think you should do is tell everybody, you know, this is not how they do it on Letterman. You know what I mean? Like, go through, like, in each place, if guys are, like, hanging out in the same room, be like, oh, what are you guys doing, junks? You guys hanging out? uh, They catered to some Rupert G's deli subs back there. Oh, it'd be bazilli if they did. I will tell you. My dressing room in uh, New York at Ed Sullivan Theater. Yep. 
Every time I was there. Your dressing room. Rupert. G's Deli Subs. Your dressing room. Nice big tray. It's ridiculous, though, because if you come with an entourage, of course it's going to get pummeled. Yeah. But we're talking about an actress and her manager. Right. We're talking about an actor. She hasn't eaten since 2003. And his wife, you know, and it's like. They eat it, you know, I don't even know if they're cracking open the sandwiches. Probably not. There's a nice fruit tray there as well. But they, very, very nice spread. But it was always like me and my dad or like me and my mom. And you, there's so much food and you're like, yeah. God, I hope they come get this and take it down to all the people that behind the scenes Seriously, on this yeah. show. Because they, there's 14 subs here. I ate half of one. And, and I was always so nervous too. Well, of Especially course. as I got older. When I was a kid, I didn't really know how crazy it was or cool it was. So it was just like, oh, I'm talking to this guy, whatever. But then by the time I was like 16, 17 years old and I was doing it, I was like, if I say something tonight, it could really go viral. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> this could really. And not in the fun way. Right. This could yeah. really ruin a lot of things. So you're pretty nervous. So it's not like you're just having a good old time eating a big meal. You know what I mean? But there's a lot of food there. Oh, I get it, dude. But the downstairs is very nice. This oh, whole so place cool. has blown me away. I'm telling you, man, cool. the, the, I tried to give the scouting report. The theater, the space is beautiful. Uh, yeah, the, the, the green room stuff downstairs is really awesome. Great place to hang out. There's plenty of tea, which I'm so steamed up about. You know I who doesn't that? look stressed at all is our boss. Oh, my God. I was just looking over there. He looks so not stressed. He he looks like he's just having the best day ever. You ever seen the movie Seven? He hasn't rubbed his head at all. Well, you, you, you stepped on my bed there, but you ever seen the movie Seven? Uh, I know the movie Seven. Yeah, well, so yeah. Kevin Spacey's character got rid of his fingerprints. So did our boss by rubbing his forehead. Like, he is worn down. <laughs> There's no print. There's no print you left. Go go commit whatever crime you want to. Now's boss. the time. Hey, fill him in on the thing I told you about a few minutes ago, and let, let's see if he wants to enjoy that as yeah. well. Uh, all right. I wanted to get to this because I think that this is – well, I'll give you my opinion on it in a minute. Uh-huh. A, do we have the audio, Darius, or should I just mention it? I know Darius was digging to see if he could find it. We're going to mention right. it. Mike Garofolo of NFL Network tweeted something to the effect of, and this has gone everywhere at this point, that he heard that Ben Johnson's interviews went poorly. And his take was that the commanders were not going to hire Ben Johnson anyway, that the interviews went very badly. The first time that this came out, to my knowledge, was yesterday. This is when he said it, started making the rounds. So when you hear that initially, everyone's sending this to me and going, see, he had a bad interview. That's why they didn't pick him. Okay, if he had a bad interview and it soured them on him and they pivoted and Dan Quinn had a great interview and that was the guy, no problem. It just feels to me with the timing of what's going on that maybe it's spin, right? Like why did we hear after they chose Dan Quinn, after they went in a different direction that he had a bad interview? Why wouldn't that have come out before? If he had a bad interview and they weren't going to go with him probably – why wouldn't that have come out four days ago? Great question. That's my big question. Here's some of the audio of what we're talking about. Don't think he interviewed particularly well. Um, and I, I listen, I've, I've heard some rumblings before. <laughs> All right, let's back up. So Johnson withdrew, and he withdrew as Washington was flying to go see him, which did not go over well at all uh, with the Washington uh, organization at all. Um, but I believe he withdrew from two coaching, circuit, coaching searches that – he wouldn't have gotten the job anyway. So um, that's the old, you're not fired, and, you know, I'm, I quit. Or I'm not fired, I quit. One of those deals. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he really bowled people over in the interview process at all. Um, and I've heard that his personality is 
know, he's very smart, very bright, great play caller. Uh, but I've heard that his personality is kind of, um, I don't know, not the most gregarious guy, not, not a Mike McDonald type guy or even a Dan Quinn type guy. Mm. Uh, so I think that came across in the interview process. I, 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 my, my belief, my belief is that he came into this, Adam Peters had Ben Johnson uh, as his guy. And Adam Peters was not the only one making the decision there in Washington, which is not to say that he's undermined. Uh, but Rick Spielman was involved. Josh Harris, obviously the owner of the organization. Bob Myers involved as well. So it was four people who came to a collective decision, and it was not going to be Ben Johnson. Puck and Jim, radio in Seattle. Your reaction to that, Danny? I, I liked Garofalo's assessment in the middle of that, which was kind of where I would take it, but sort of piggyback on top of it is to say the fact that it comes out now does feel like whatever you want to call it. You could, you could be cynical about it, call it spin, call it damage control, or just call it regular old business and, and sort of justification as to why they didn't go the direction that convention said that they were going to go, right? The, the, the idea that he was the favorite for the job didn't come from nowhere. This wasn't some invention. It wasn't some pipe dream. It wasn't a couch rumor by some fan sitting at home going, I hope they get him, and then just keeps tweeting it, and then it turns into a rumor. That's not a thing. There was ab- absolutely smoke here. And so there's a degree of we need to jump on top of this to make it look like we didn't bungle this, right? So, yeah, that stuff can kind of come out from a guy that, uh, you know, or, or you know, sort of regarding somebody that's now taking themselves out of the coaching ring. If he had interviewed elsewhere and gotten a job, then you can't say that, right? To it to the same degree. Well, it's like, well, the team that hired him thought he did okay. You guys didn't. Let's let's compare records and stare at you and, and talk crap. The fact that he went back and isn't a head coach at all anywhere gives a little bit of legs to it, whether it happened that way or not. But to me, this does feel a bit like, and I don't have a better term for this, but it feels a bit like damage control. Yeah, there was never a single mention that his interview didn't go well at any point last week. They did the interview early in the week. There was, ne- there was an entire week that went by. In fact, the, the, the first interview with Ben Johnson, now that I think about it, was the Friday before the previous game, right? So there was an entire week last week where they, they didn't interview him again, and for eight or nine days, nothing leaked out that that interview was bad until after they decided on Dan Quinn and there was some blowback. And now, with all due respect to Garofolo, I'm not knocking his reporting. I'm quite sure he heard that. But I guess my question is why with that timing? It's just really convenient to me, and it feels like possible spin. That's all. We're not going to be every day going through how the Ben Johnson thing didn't happen. I just think the process is worth examining before we move on. Totally. You, I know, were, were bothered by the circuitous nature of it. I don't necessarily care about the, the optics of the process. You know, My frustration was that they weren't more all in on Johnson, it seemed like to me. Uh, I think that that was their guy all along, to be clear, but they didn't finish it. I still perceive that it was probably over money or something else. I don't really know. Their position is, we got our guy. We like Dan Quinn. We wanted him all along. I would say, okay, he was available for a few weeks before you hired him and you were flying out to Detroit again. I would also pose that to the Garofalo point. So Ben Johnson did this really bad interview. Ten days later, you were flying to Detroit. You hadn't flown to any other person, by the way, to my knowledge. You're flying to Detroit to meet with him in person because you were so unimpressed with his first interview. See what I'm saying? It, yeah. it just it doesn't add up. And I know they were talking with Aaron Glenn there as well. Uh, as it turned out, he was you know, pretty low down the list, it seems, 
of the overall candidates. But people are going to see that and go, oh, Ben Johnson's not ready. Maybe. Just like people see that he, he texted them and, you know, now the, the idea is, well, they lucked out. You know, he screwed them over. It, it's certainly not a good look. There's no doubt about that. I wouldn't want to be his agent, Richmond Flowers, making <laughs> that phone call. But we just don't really know what happened. And I do believe through the Sunday NFC Championship game into Monday, they probably thought there was a chance that it was Ben Johnson. Something changed. Just like I'll ask you this, Danny. Mm-hmm. Why did we start hearing for the first time like in droves five or six days before the Ben Johnson decided to stay in Detroit yep. that he was not the number one guy? That process the started. Schefter thing. Yeah, yeah. But, but like January 8th is when they fired Rivera. Mm-hmm. They, they went to GM first to hire Peters. Then they were doing coach after. But essentially that coaching search began in earnest right then and there. There was never a single moment. Everybody, their brother, their sister, their uncle, their aunt, was all saying Ben Johnson to Washington, Ben Johnson to Washington. Nobody ever stopped and said, Ben Johnson to Washington, you know, is is actually not happening probably. That never happened for like two and a half weeks. It wasn't until the indications were the tea leaves that we now know were real or the smoke signals, whatever. We're basically saying, it's going to be something that you guys aren't expecting here, right? Because all the momentum and all the arrows were pointing in one way. It's like we talk about with the Dan Sale where we trace it back to he's on the field, arm around Jerry on October 2nd, kind of doing the I'll never sell this team bit. What happened between then and a month later when they hired When the whole world changed, yeah. Like the week before, his lawyers are yelling at people and calling everyone names and saying it's a conspiracy. And next thing you know, it's like, we've hired Bank of America. Like, whoa. Nobody had any problem. They didn't have any issue with everyone saying, the commanders and Ben Johnson, the number one candidate and the Washington commanders, they're going to get him. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden... Word got out to a lot of the beat reporters and, and Adam Schefter. No, this isn't actually a lock. Almost to prepare people, I think, for That's the what inevitable. It was. Yeah, I think Something this is, changed. Grant, I think this is the second act of that. And I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not. The, when, when we know so little about a process, and everybody has loved to remind you and I of that, how little anyone knows, and you can't make any judgments now. And So my response, of course, well, let's never talk about anything then. But I think this is the second part of that opening act which was before it was going to be not Ben Johnson or not Mike McDonald or not one of the guys that everybody was excited about, frankly. Them going, prepare yourselves. This bleep is real. You guys might not be ready for it, but it's happening. And then after the fact, when everybody naturally, I think, has questions, given the momentum that was going in completely different directions, this is now the second wave of, well, there's a re- it wasn't just random. It wasn't just because... Somebody screwed us. It wasn't just because the rug got pulled. There were reasons that you guys could never really see or know about. And, of course, as you said, we'll never know. There's no you know, uh, spy camera in there and secret leaked footage that's going to come out. You know, there's no uh, uh, Julian Assange that's going to give us the, the, the info. But it feels to me like it's a way of saying this is not the disaster you guys think it is. Well, I don't mean you and me, but just in general, folks in general. This is not us settling this is something that was actually a result of something thorough. Here are, here are some data points that support that. Which, if it is, that's smart, by the way. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's what's happening. I, I will say, though, everyone that I talk to with the organization and the team, they have been extremely classy, utmost respect for Johnson. There's been no mention of a bad interview, okay? I, I do have to acknowledge that. In other words, if Garofolo was hearing this and I'd heard something similar from people in the building that I talked to, mm-hmm. I would have a pretty good feeling. Well, clearly the team just wants that out there. I don't 
know that that's them saying that. It could very well be true. It's certainly not coming from Ben Johnson's agent. Maybe it's another team saying, and it could well be, by the way. I don't think, did he say the commanders didn't feel like he did well in the interview? I think his point was he, he bombed in the interview process. So maybe another team that interviewed him wasn't impressed. Certainly there could be some credence to this. I acknowledge that. I just think that the timing makes me go, really? And it seems to me like you've got the reports from six weeks ago. Ben Johnson wants crazy amount of money. Ben Johnson wants to be the highest paid first-time coach ever. And then I see what these other guys are getting. I've been told that Antonio Pierce got a little over $6 million a year. I've been told that um, Brian Callahan got $7 million a year. You know, uh, I think Shane Steichen was the highest-paid first-time coach ever at $9.1 million a year mm-hmm. from the numbers that I've heard. My guess is Ben Johnson wanted more than that, and I think it was a numbers situation. That is my belief. It probably won't matter moving forward why right. we got here. Dan Quinn's either going to be a star or he's not. We'll leave this in the rear view. I just think it's relevant to pose this question to take some calls today, not because this is a Ben Johnson convo, but – Garofolo is, is suggesting some context to a situation we've all been curious about. For a bunch of days, we wondered what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. He's saying, actually, the commanders weren't going to pick him. He interviewed badly. They didn't want him. That's why they picked Dan Quinn. And my question to people is, do you buy that? Do you believe that? That really, they wanted Dan Quinn over him. They didn't like him in the interview process. Or do you think that that's a little bit of spin? That Quinn is still a fine option but that they wanted Ben Johnson and something went sideways. That's the question. 800-636-1067. You can join us on the MGM National Harbor Listener Lines on Grant and Danny. The commanders were on their way out to meet with Ben Johnson in Detroit when he told them, He was staying with the Lions and wouldn't be further interviewing for their job opening. Mike Garofolo of NFL Network yesterday came out and said, well, the commanders actually didn't want Ben Johnson. He did a bad job in the interview process. Do you believe that, that he didn't do well enough to capture their attention, that they preferred Dan Quinn to him, or is that just spin? The timing of it, whether it's spin or not, makes it look that way because there was no report, there was no acknowledging poor Ben Johnson interviews before. And, oh, by the way, you're on the plane flying out to Detroit. Now, it wasn't just Johnson they were meeting with. It was Aaron Glenn. But the lead of the story was they're flying out. They've got this meeting with Ben Johnson. It's going to be early next week. And there was a three- or four-day buildup of Monday or Tuesday after the NFC Championship game. One way or the other, they're meeting with Ben Johnson. And then we find out yesterday, well, you know, they didn't really want Ben Johnson, by the way. He did a terrible interview. They never liked him. I'm not quite buying it. Danny? I mm, No, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Uh, I think what happened is something, you know, some combination of things. I think the answer to any part of this is yes. Uh, Isn't it you, always about money in some way? Well, to a degree. I, I, think, I think Ben Johnson flaked out ultimately, right? I, I, think, I still think despite the posturing about a deal, I mean, how many times have you guys gone into a negotiation going, I want twice what I make when you really want a 7% raise? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think they all thought it was posturing until that dude – pulled a, a McDaniels-esque move to withdraw his name for consideration and sent everything into a topsy-turvy tailspin. I do think they got screwed by him in this process. And they landed on Quinn, which 
you got a, a credible NFL head coach. I mean, he is going to be fine, probably. Staff, notwithstanding, we're going to see. There's a possibility when the dust all settles, you get the right offensive crew in here, that it is even a, an exciting situation and that they can sell this thing pretty well. More importantly, that they can win a bunch of games and get to the playoffs and try to get to a championship. I think Adam Peters is going to be the key to the whole thing. you got to draft well. you got to sign well. And the number two overall pick at quarterback is going to be paramount. That goes without saying. But if we're asking how did we get here, which a lot of people do care about, for those of you that say, oh, move on, it's Dan Quinn, what do we care? Well, I mean, it's been 24 hours, so relax, number one. And number two, do we not want to do a little autopsy here? This is the first chance to kind of evaluate a big process that underwent. Uh, let's go to the phones, 800-636-1067. Alex is in Vienna on Grant and Danny. What's up, Alex? How are you? Hey, man, I'm with you guys. I don't believe him at all. Uh, in every job interview, they ask you, what do you expect to make? And you kind of give them that ballpark. Obviously, you ask for more, like Danny said, than what you really want. But, you know, if it was really about the salary, they would have said, dude, we're not going to pay that much for a first-time coach. Uh, it's, the whole thing is spin. You don't get on an airplane if he interviewed badly. You knew he was the front runner in the media if you were going to control the narrative that he wasn't actually your front runner. You could have leaked that. You had all that time where we were all doing the, the Dan Johnston match. And nobody from the team thought to pick up the phone and whisper in some beat reporter's ear, hey, not so fast. It's it, it, it strange. Well, that came eventually it's to your point. Your phone's breaking Thanks, up a little bit. Thanks, but that was a good Sorry, call, buddy. though. Thank you. It's a really good call. That did come. My point is it just came, at, you know, in the 10th hour. Like, there were mm. two or so weeks, if not more. I'm just saying that initially it was the GM stuff, so I'm not going to count that. But there were a couple weeks of coaching search where nobody was saying, Ben Johnson is not the favorite. Ben Johnson is not a lock. And all of a sudden, you started to hear that after nobody seemed to have a problem with days and days of speculating that. Well, let me clarify something. I do believe it's very possible. I'll even say somewhat likely that Johnson didn't have a great interview. But the then conclusion that that precluded him from getting the gig or they weren't that interested or they were off put by it, that next step I don't buy. In other words, he could be shy, quirky, weird, not gregarious and not like, you know, I'll, I'll eat dirt to win. I'll, I'll eat your dirt to win. I'll step in snake pits and, and fight wild boars and, and chokehold a lion. Okay, you didn't do that stuff. Maybe that's not his personality, but there are plenty of guys that do or don't that can be good at coaches otherwise. Let's say he didn't have the best interview. His bona fides extend beyond how charismatic he is with you know Magic Johnson in the room and, and Adam Peters and a couple of guys, right? That's why he, he was a prime candidate for the position. If they, you know, had, had – stricken him from their list and going to Detroit was just a courtesy, that's the next love I don't buy. Well, here, here's the way I think about it, right? If Danny went on a first date with a girl, and we're like, is, is Danny going to end up with this girl? Is this happening? Mm -hmm. And then about a week later after everyone's like, I, I think they're going to end up together, we find out the girl told Danny no. That has happened. The next, day, <laughs> the next day, I'm trying to workshop this analogy. The next day someone comes out and goes, well, Danny wasn't interested in the girl. The first date went terrible. But then I, I find out that you were flying across the country yeah. <laughs> for the second date. But I, it kind of makes me think that's not yeah, true. Yeah, that I did a John Cusack with a boombox in front of her house asking for a second date. That's a really funny way to yeah. not be interested. Funny way to, to show to it. Be, you know, think that the interview was bad and that, that I actually like this other person better. I made her a mixtape, man. 
why are you flying to California for date number two? Uh. You're going to her place this time. Really strange way for you to act if you're not that interested. Frank's in Ashburn. What's up, Frank? How are you? Good, guys. I'm glad you're not, you're not falling for this. This is the, the weakest spin I've heard in quite some time. They, they were so upset with his first interview, they're flying out for the second interview just to tell him face-to-face that they weren't interested. And then they actually get upset because they didn't get the chance to tell him face-to-face that they weren't interested. Um, Garoppolo, I mean, he's got no credibility. I hate to say it, but whatever's being spun kind of reminds me of the Snyder era, and I thought that was behind us. Well, I, I don't think anything about this process, to be honest, reminds me of Dan. And that's not just me sticking up for the owners who I like and Peters who I think is going to be good. Uh, I am trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. There's no doubt about that. I like them, and I think they're good at what they do. I think they're smart, and they're better people than Snyder. So all of that's working right. in our favor. Yeah, here. we've cleared that bar. But I also think I think Dan would have gotten Ben Johnson, to be honest with you. Now, you wouldn't have a GM in Peters, and so Dan would be dictating to him, and it wouldn't work. He would flame out in a few years and – probably go back to being a coordinator for the rest of his career. But Dan would have just paid whatever it took, maybe. Like, Dan always got his guy. He just then interfered and did terrible things that made it not work. I would rather have Dan Quinn and Adam Peters and the Harris ownership group than Dan Snyder and Ben and anybody. Johnson. <laughs> but, but Snyder and Johnson yeah. versus them, it, it's no, like, no contest. Snyder and Johnson get KO'd 11 seconds into the fight. But I don't think this was anything like the Snyder situation the way I perceive it to be. They had a favorite. He was interested in them. I think at some point they were talking money. Normally, that was when Dan said, okay, well, how much do we put on the check? When he had money. I don't know if he had enough at the yeah, end to pull that off. But also, there were very little leaks. This was the leaky. This was a spaghetti strainer. Just water sipping, dropping from this thing before. So, I, I didn't see many, uh, frankly, But it, it, I think his comp was about the after-the-fact attempt to control the narrative, which, which was, in fairness, a Snyder staple. But now, that's, that's an everybody staple. But hold on. That, that's after scandal. That's the difference to me, is after some sort of debacle takes place. I don't know that this is a debacle. This, this was a little bit disappointing to, to some fans, the way this process played out, myself included. But it's not, it's not some debacle where the, your prize pig that you traded for or the, the, the superstar player who's flaming out in front of your eyes and we're going to pretend that everything's fine or this guy gets an extension or we're trying to buy uh, the beat reporters fatty lunches so they don't report as well. This isn't that. <laughs> well, also, I mean – this is the game. I mean, this yeah. is every job, every team, every anything, every politician. This is the way it works. I mean, you want your word out there. That This is day one stuff. There's no problem with spin. I don't have any issue with that. Dan would, would assassinate character. Like, and I don't mean Snyder specifically. But, like, that era, we're calling people drunks after they're fired. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. This is not that. This is actually here's the way, from our perspective, that we want people to understand that this went. There's probably a lot of truth in that. It's also the best version of it for you, I would say. Just like Ben Johnson's agent, Richmond Flowers, and Ben Johnson are going to put out whatever they do. That man, he loves football. That's all this is. He's loyal. Nobody's more loyal than him. Dan it's Quinn's the loyalty. Lucky, lucky to have such a loyal soldier. David in Charlottesville, home of the Cavaliers. Hello, David. How are you? Well, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Bonnie. I, hey, I believe in the process currently with this team. So finally, we have a top-down pecking order. And I believe they did their due diligence and, and, you know, they were flying out to Detroit to do a couple interviews. And Ben, ben Johnson, I think we created an illusion that that was the go-to, that was the guy, and that's what we want. And for anybody to think we were going to have a rookie quarterback, rookie coach, rookie GM, and a rookie NFL owner, that's just a disaster waiting to happen. Not if they're good. I appreciate the call. Now, I've, I mean, heard, I've heard that, though. Yeah, but – 
I don't agree necessarily. Yeah, but. I mean, D'Amico Ryans was a first-time head coach. Bobby Slowick was a first-time play caller. C.J. Stroud was a rookie quarterback. Was that a disaster? Now, Nick Casario had experience as a GM. It was bad experience, and he was the laughingstock of the league. All of a sudden, you know, it's not viewed that way anymore. But uh, so what if uh, Josh Harris is a first-time owner in football? He's been an owner in other sports. He's pretty polished, I would say, as a sports owner. Uh, Adam Peters has not been a GM, but he's been the most influential person in putting together a championship-level roster for a year and change in San Francisco. Uh, and for a couple of years there has been a, a massive part of what they do. Uh, as a head coach, you know, whether – yes, Ben Johnson was a complete unknown, could have been bad, we don't know. But the idea that, like, you, you couldn't just go with a bunch of first-timers, you know, neophytes lacking experience, I always disagree with that. Get good people. You know, get, if you're great at what you do, I don't care if you've done it before or not. Just because someone's done it before doesn't mean they're better than you. You, you, if you need a bunch of people who have done it before, there's a reason they're available, too. That, that's a double-edged sword. Sure. I, 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 but I understand the, the sentiment where you'd like to have some guys with, with experience to be able to lean on in certain situations. Sure. That's welcome. That, that doesn't necessarily have to be, though, that owner, head coach, GM triumvirate. Yeah, you, you, you can have your seasoned defensive coordinator, your, your uh, Wade Phillips to your Sean McVay. Totally. You could bring in, you know, again, uh, I think Fangio was going to, was going to uh, Philadelphia. You can keep the Marty party. Or, or – Lock them out of the building. Different ways to do it. Different ways to do it. John and McLean, you're on Grant and Danny. How are you? Good. Hi. Frequent listener, first-time caller. Appreciate you, buddy. Oh, that's very, very good to hear. So I'm going to disagree because this fits a story that I felt all along, which was the fans and everyone and even the management had a fantasy of what the Ben Johnson as as head coach would look like. And when he showed up first on that first Zoom call, I think it ended, and they all looked at each other and said, you know, that didn't go that well. Mm. And, uh, and then they looked around and they thought, well, you know, he's still in the mix. We're going to extend this. We're going to have a lot of other interviews. We're still going to fly out to Detroit because we only talked to him over the air. We need to see what this guy's all about. But maybe he didn't come in with a big vision. Let me maybe ask you a quick question. A lot of ideas I think it's, it, on I, who he's going to lock up and bring to it. Let me ask you a quick question. I think yeah. it's a really smart call. Yeah. Here's my, my question I want to hear your answer on. Yeah. If, if that's the case, which is plausible and makes a lot of sense, why then for over a week after the first interview did the reporting nationally, locally, what have you, only grow stronger and stronger in Ben Johnson and the commanders? It was viewed essentially as a foregone conclusion, and it wasn't until well over a week after that that we first heard about this bad herd. I'm sure it's heard, by the way. We hear. We first heard I, about the bad interview. Yeah. I agree. I think they were living off the fact that, yes, management thought this guy was the top choice to interview first, and they hoped that he would be the top choice, but it didn't go well. We, don't have, we can't necessarily assume that uh, that leaked out, that it didn't go that well. That he was, and so the media was still reporting he's the top guy. And mm. since he was still on the, on the interview list, that everything seemed to be true. That's but plausible. I think, I think the guy, but it I is. Think the guy, guy flattened out. And by the way, I don't think salary even comes up in these interviews. That's something between management and the agent. Well, we, I, I agree with that. It's a great call. We're up against it. That's a, it, I really appreciate that. That's, that's a, that, by the way, that scenario is plausible, right, where he did an interview great and they kind of expected him to knock it out of the park and he didn't. Yeah. So maybe we need to reconsider some things. I, that's not crazy to me. If you don't think that the commanders over a few-week process – when in this league, you're talking to agents months before 
the process starts, mm-hmm. ever got a number, ever figured out what the the expectation for salary is, I think you're fooling yourself. Also, on Sunday, the agent for Ben Johnson, Bob Myers, the agent for uh, you know, front office executives with the commanders, were all at the same game. You know, they were all seen at one point together at the stadium. I, maybe they were just talking about how good the 49ers looked. I don't know, but I have a hard time I bet you a few discussion topics came up. The, the idea that, like, well, we'll never broach money, obviously, but uh, let's talk about how your kids, by the way. Oh, they're good. They're good. Yeah. Do they make any money? Write down the amount of money that they make. I'll bet you it <laughs> might have come up at some point. Here's the next question, because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to turn this into a, you know, they didn't get Ben Johnson conversation a day after Dan Quinn day. Right. Do you care what happened? I think that's a fair question. Mm-hmm. Do you even care what happened now? It's Dan Quinn. They got to hire an offensive staff. They're moving forward. They're on to Cincinnati. They got a chance to work this thing out. You hit on the quarterback. Next stop, Super Bowl. Do you care how we got here, or are you ready to move on and see what's what? G&D on the fan. We are at the Bethesda Theater, Bethesda, Maryland, right off Wisconsin Avenue. That's where our big event is tonight. It's going to be outstanding. We sold this place out. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad, the official Grant and Danny Show sponsor. They're going to help protect your assets by updating your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com and mention the show to get a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Danny, be on the lookout. Our guys are coming out tonight. Yes. By the way, I'm getting some tweets from some people that are on their way up to this event right now, which is very, very cool. So some people driving from Stafford all over the DMV. And, yes, it is the DMV, Virginia. Now, what's that V stand for? Uh, That's Virginia. This is Virginia. Virginia's doing drive. But we're in Bethesda. We're doing it up big in Maryland tonight. So look forward to seeing so many of our listeners this evening. Do you care how we landed on Dan Quinn, or is it time to just embrace and move along? It's Dan Quinn time. It's his season. Dan Quinn, S-Z-N, as the kids say. Mm. Uh, Dana, do you care, or it's only like it's been 16 hours. I, I care think. so much, and most people don't, it seems like. And that's fine. You're allowed to care or not care. It's your fandom. It's your irritation. I've got a lot of move-ons uh, from people just generally in all walks of life. I got it. The announcement happened What's yesterday. What's their avatar? Um, it, it varies. Okay. It varies, honestly. Sometimes it's like a, a random picture of like a there dude was, with a samurai sword. Sometimes it's like a commander's one. But it's, it's, there was uh, a dude yesterday that was like really angry at me. It was like, I just don't understand, man. You, you're, you're really driving me nuts. And his name was like Kool-Aid Commander. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you're probably not going to. you don't like it. Like me just very, uh, you know, looking at this thing and, and analyzing it. Uh, you probably just want me to pick up some bomb-bombs <laughs> and go, DQ, let's go. Let's go, DQ season. Welcome, coach. No, I mean, I, I care desperately, and I'm always going to. I care about the how. Uh, I care about process. I care about how we got here. I Again, the thing I still want to know most is what happened between October 2nd and November 2nd uh, when Dan Snyder went from I'm never selling, you could pride from my cold, dead hands to I've hired Bank of America. I want to know how we get places. Because uh, it helps for future information. It helps us understand things. But, yeah, it, it matters to me. And it may not to some. I get that. Let's go to Mike in Clinton on G&D. Mike, do you care about what led up to this at this point? I do not care. We ha- Listen, 
our fan base, we, we've suffered for, we, we've suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder for the past 30-something years, uh, easily. But, I mean, <laughs> listen, I don't care how we got here. I trust that the way that they went out and, and, and we got our GM, we got our guy, everyone was on board with that. And then when the little hiccup with this is in all businesses, there are hiccups. They pivoted and they went to the next best thing. And so if we are going to, you know, uh, rake them over the coals over a situation that we have no idea of how it would have played out, um, and we have our guy, when, when you have your guy, you go full-hearted behind your guy. That's the equation of, of, of you're about to get married and, and it's your wedding day and you're waiting down the aisle and then you're saying, boy, I could have had that other girl. What? You don't want your future wife to know that. You want to know, you want her to feel that she was the best choice that you had and sure. you made that choice. Appreciate you. Yeah, I mean, I get that people want to move along and that people want to hear essentially what they want to hear. There was a time when you got angry when the conversation on this show was, Taylor Heineke might not be what you think he is. There was a time when in Rivera we trust and how dare you question him and, you know, he's coach-centric and he's coming in here to save the world and to fix the culture. We've had some conversations along the way. Sure. Uh, This was a very curious coaching search. I think you, we can all acknowledge that. Either you care about that or you don't. A lot of people don't. Uh, the fact that it's Dan Quinn is how it ended, and Dan Quinn's a pretty good football coach. I believe that he is an outstanding defensive coordinator. I think he's a legitimate head coach. I think he is a probably an average, maybe a tick above average head coach. I think he's a special person. I cannot find a single person who has a negative word to say about him. I know why he got the job. I totally get it. It's not a bad hire. I've never once said it's a bad hire. It's not the hire I would have made, but it's not a bad hire. I think the difference generally for people is, number one, like what should they have been looking for in the search? And number two, do you care about how we got to the parking spot or just that the car's parked? Yeah, I do. I I care a lot. I I know I'm maybe in the minority. G&D on the fan from Bethesda Theater, taking you up to 630. On site at the Bethesda Theater where we've got a sold-out packed house expected tonight for our live event. The entire 106.7, the fan crew will be here on site taking on the fellas from down the hall on Grant and Danny here on the fan alongside Danny Ruye. I'm Grant Paulson. It's going to be a very fun evening. Chris Russell's in the house. He's very upset. He's flailing his arms at me right now. I didn't know he was capable of being upset. It's been such a wonderful 48 hours. <laughs> you for don't him. see it. He's He's got that walk like a nervous animal that's mm-hmm. going to have to get a shot or something at the zoo and knows <laughs> it does. It does. Like, he doesn't know where to go. He's just sort of pacing around next to people. Then he's not next to them. And then he's walking somewhere else. He's, he's got like no direction or purpose right now. But just, he's like a caged animal. If you're coming out to the event, tweet us, let us know. We'll try to link up before this sucker starts at about 8 o'clock. Happy to come meet up with any listeners taking time out of their night to come out here. So tweet me at Grant H. Paulson, Danny, funny Danny. Uh, I would like to bring on to the show our assistant producer. By God. Man who works very hard at these events out and about for us, making sure everything goes swimmingly. 
Ryan Clary. I got to say, the last couple weeks with all the Commanders news, hasn't been enough Ryan on the show, as far as I'm concerned. I agree with that. We have not really gotten to swim in Lake Ryan as much as I like. He's had some time to shine with all this Jared Goffiness and all the, the, the Lions exceeding. It's like they're his Lions like he invented them. You are a Lions fan, officially. I did see your tweet where you had a Lions hat on, and you told everyone sorry about your luck with Ben Johnson. You trolled. Our listening audience. A little bit. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, yeah, you, you could say I trolled them just a little bit, but little here's bit. the thing. A little bit. I'm a Commanders fan first, but I here's will Here's my big butt. The Lions, they're a close second right now. You have How not, close? By the way, you, you, nothing, nothing about your actions in the last couple months makes anyone think you're a Commanders fan first. Well, I mean, here's the thing. We were all rooting for the Commanders to lose this entire season. I think we were all in on this bit to tank this year, so, so I'll trade for the back, Lions. Obviously. Exactly. Well, to maybe, the Lions for right. some reason. Maybe we could see But no, that. on Sunday, you're literally like, this is my Super Bowl. I've never felt this way. I can't believe this. I've never had these emotions Like going. tears in your eyes. No, this I, golf's I, completing the screen. I genuinely have never had those that feeling before in my life. The 2019 Lions, World Series didn't do it for you? For the NFL. for okay. Obviously, for Major League Baseball, that was the best moment of my the, life. That Tigers run that year was awesome. It was a big yeah. run. 2012 yeah. was a pretty Where's good year. Where's your favorite place to eat in Greektown? You a big fan of Greektown? Greek, I love Greektown. Who's your favorite Red Wing? Uh, so many Red Wings. <laughs> you name a Shoes. Red Wing. You name Shoes. a Red Wing, I'll give you 10 bucks. <laughs> I got nothing for All you time, right now. any Red Wing. I like Detroit-style pizza. How about that? You like the what? What is Detroit-style pizza? What it's it? like light, fluffy bread, basically. It's, it's like a big, thick, square pizza, I believe. Yeah, right. I'm going to accept that. I'll French accept bread. All right, here's yeah. actually uh, what I've got for you, and okay. Ryan explains okay. it all today. It wasn't just to attack you for your Lions fan, but you were just funning. Right. Uh, yeah, I was you, just funning. When you tweeted trolling everyone in our listening audience who pays our bills, you're like, you suckers didn't get them because we kept them. That was just funning. I was just funning. And I was just funning when I told CK to fire him for it. <laughs> that was just a big we – The whole thing was a big joke. We Everyone was, was joking. High-fiving over. We this is so fun. Everybody's having a good time, like, right? like, Detroit basketball. You know, big fan. How the, who the Pistons got tonight, bro? Uh, they're actually off tonight, but I think tomorrow it could be a big night. Name big. two Pistons. I'll give you five bucks. Cade Cunningham. Okay. And uh, This is where mm. it gets – you got three seconds. Well, I am a Lions fan. Two seconds. I'm not a Pistons fan. Rip Hamilton from that back in the day. That is not going to work. Although all time, that would work. Yeah. Rip Hamilton would have worked back in the day. That was Pe my guy. Peanut Hamilton. Uh, here's my question. All right. How does a humidifier work? This is actually a great that you asked this because I had this the other day when I was sick. I bought a humidifier for my room. Oh, this is tough. I love it. I, I thought for sure I could get him. No, 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 no. You, you may have got me still. But well, here. <laughs> Okay, you did purchase one. Though. Yes, I did purchase one. Okay. So basically, still. what a humidifier does yep. is like when you're sick, when you're stuffy, just like I was last week. Still getting over a little bit, but we're on the up and up. Now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Basically, what this humidifier does is it kind of just purifies the air and just makes it kind of a little bit more full and just kind of makes it a little more clean in the air okay. in which you breathe in, which you kind of. But, but what does it do? How does it do that? We get that it improves the air. What does it do? Yeah, like it cleans it has, the air, we get that much. Yeah. It gives out fresh air molecules That's through it. the humidifier. So Damn, what do you do? You put that water in there. Let's start with how does the humidifier work? What is the, what's happening in the machine? Well, it's just steaming up Steams. water. Steaming it water. It steams water. Okay. And so with that said, it brings all these fresh air mo or water molecules into the air mm -hmm. in which you breathe and take in your lungs. It's great for the environment. 
It's great for everybody with it. Great and for I the environment. It. So people just put humidifiers out on their back deck. I mean, they could if they really wanted to. If they wanted. Okay. So this is an environmental thing, obviously. Well, I mean, it could be if you wanted to. That's something that I could explain some other day. But at this moment in time, what a humidifier does, mm-hmm. it just makes you feel healthier. Yeah. It makes you kind of the breathe in which – but there's no real science behind it. It's more of a – it's like a mental thing? or it's no, 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 no. It purifies the air. Purifies the think air. About, think about it this way. Like a Brita water filter. Yep. That water filter, it's still water. You know, it's still air that you're breathing in your room. Mm-hmm. It just kind of purifies it a little bit more, and it's cleaning that air right. in which you breathe in. So, Danny, it sucks in the air, yep. and it shoots it back out. But, but with the with – the, the steam part of it, right? The steam part of it, yes. Okay. That, that's kind so of – So it's like human. an iron in a way. A little bit in a sense, yes, except okay. there's a lot more water involved in it, a lot more science behind it. And what it does, though, why is it, how much more science would you yeah. say? Like <laughs> a, a lot game, more science. Like, like a, is there a number scale? Like one, what's one unit of science? I would say like, okay, I would say it's like seven out of ten science. Like it's pretty yeah. high science. Yeah. That's, and how much is geez, iron? dude. Mm, that's a three, little science. Three. Yeah, three. Science. yeah three like a semiconductor. Why is three out of ten? Why is it good for water to be in the air again? What is that? Well, it's just. It purifies the water. Mm-hmm. Purifies the water. But the water is in the, the air. air. Why, why is the, Oh, it purifies the air. The air. Got it. What's the difference between a lamb and a sheep? There is no difference. They're the same thing. A lamb and a sheep are the same thing. So they're just used interchangeably? Yeah, I mean, it's just so like all a lamb cow or, and a calf. So all lamb or sheep? All lamb or sheep and all sheep or lamb. That's what I believe at this moment. Hmm. <laughs> at this moment. So if, if I see a sheep... And I point at it. I go, "That's a lamb," and that's fine. I, I would think so. There's no, there's no difference. I'm gonna, I don't I'm think there's ask, any difference. Can I ask him one more time? Yeah. So, like, so like CD, you see a CD lamb. Yeah. And that's the same as a sheep. Hmm. But so I just see. I, I go. Have you ever been to like Cox Farms? Yeah. yeah of I course. go to Cox Farms with my kid. We see some old fourteen-year-old dragging along, hefty sheep just walking along, hay and it's. You know, uh, sheep's wool. You yeah, know? just uh, sheep's wool. And I go, hey, what's that? And Truman goes, that's a lamb. He's right. Yeah, of course. Mm. Okay, good A to lamb know. and a sheep are the same. What's the difference between a rat and a mouse? A mouse is actually, that's that's actually a really good one. Thanks. This is a tough one. I like being complimented on this. This is, is my a favorite tough one. the question. <laughs> that's always when he's gathering his thought, yeah. by the way. He gets very complimentary. So, uh. A rat, I believe, is more so like an outdoorsy kind of animal. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, you're right. No, no, keep going. And meanwhile, the a mouse is more so of like an indoor one. A mouse lives in ho- homes. Kind of. It kind of does. A rat lives on the street. You know, a rat is more so in the city where it's like a foot long, it's big, it's a lot dirtier than what a mouse is at your house. So that's what I believe. It's, it's kind of the same thing. It's like the same entity, in my opinion. It's kind of like the difference between Coke and Pepsi. There's no real difference. They're both sodas, them, right? They're both, they're both sodas yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, they, they are from the same family probably right, in some course. distant way. Yeah, of course. Genus, phylum, species, order, yeah. kingdom, all that stuff. So right? now have you worked yourself into saying rat and mouse are the same thing? Is that no, what no, no, no. I'm not saying it because it's like One Pepsi. lives in a house. It, uh, no, one is more. They tend to live in houses. One has a more. real estate agent. And, and one, like a rat, is like in a trash can behind, like, I don't know, our office in D.C. Mm. Got a couple of them, I guess. There are a few of them around. A few of them. The districts, they're, they're doing fine. They're you doing good, dis- Danny? Or? I, I think I understand now. I, I okay. still want to know. I want to actually have follow-up questions about units of science. Okay. It goes <laughs> you you are stuff. in on that. I yeah. thought that was fa- fascinating to me. Yeah. Okay. Like, there's more science. Like, what, what would have the most science? 
Like, what's the highest science rating of anything in, in, that touches your life? Mm, that touches my life, yeah. a lot of science? Yeah. I would actually say this computer right I here would agree right with now. You. I think the science on this is probably at like a 9 out of 10, but if you're kind of correlating it to my life, it's probably a 10 out of 10. Yeah. So it's like, but for the normal person, mm-hmm. more so 9 out of 10. Right. But as far as putting the science together about how, to, how this laptop works, how whatever the screen works, how my touch screen works on it, it's a 10 out of 10 science. So every sheep is a lamb. Every sheep is a lamb. The biggest, meanest, meanest, biggest, oldest, oldest, youngest too. Youngest as well, of course. But the oldest sheep in the barn is a lamb. The oldest sheep in the barn is a lamb. Right. Are right. any lambs not sheep? No. Lamb, lambs and sheep are the same. Hmm. Oh. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Clary. He did Explaining it, Thank it all. He Thank you. It. That is how the game is played. It's been far too long, I think. It's been a minute. We had to kind of go rapid fire there and crowbar a few in. It's <laughs> basically how that, it went down. That laugh drop, it pops me every time. I just love it. Uh, tonight's going to be a lot of fun. We are at the Bethesda Theater. Danny has uh, a stand-up set that's going to kick tonight off. Are you starting at 8 or 8.30? Just, uh, hair after 8. So I think uh, the mats. People, is everyone going to be sitting and chilling, or are they going to be filing in as you're talking? That'd yeah, so there's a, there's a little bit of, like, no one's quite sure exactly what time things are getting going. I'll tell you this. The doors open pretty much as soon as you and I are done. People should come as early as they can, sit down, have dinner, have a grand old time. The food here it, supposedly is it's awesome. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. I've eaten here a couple times when I performed here. Stick really, aside, really would you tell people if they're coming to the venue tonight yes. not to go eat somewhere in Bethesda? Eat here. Okay. Eat here. Food is so good. Last time I was here, I had shrimp and grits. That was just fantastical. Tables and chairs all over the joint. The whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah plenty, plenty of uh, a space to stretch out, eat your food and drinks. Um, so I think, like, 10 will be supposed to kick off right around 8, right, where I think there's a raffle going on. Uh, I think the mats are going to do that. And then shortly thereafter, I'm going to be making fun of all of my friends and coworkers. How long is your set? Between 10 and 15. I, I timed it out. One, I tried to time it out as best I could. Ends up right around 13, 14 minutes. And how much time of that is, is going to be making fun of people, do you think? 13 or 14 minutes. Ooh. Okay. Yep. I'm excited. I think tonight's going to be interesting. What uh, What are you, if anything, nervous about from a station standpoint? What like, What are you? Like, yeah. Who do you Who do you think needs to be watched tonight? I guess mm. is the question. Oh, that's a good question. Who do we need to keep a close eye on? Who's Who's not going to like it? Because uh, here's what we talked about this at the top of the show. Um, comedians, when we do this to each other, because this is a thing, roasting each other. The Friars Club is famous for doing it, or whatever. Comedian, I've been part of comedian roasts before, and it's a blast. You don't think twice about it. It's like everyone knows our foibles and weirdness. That's why we get up on stage and because uh, we can't afford therapy. You know what I mean? Like it's it's what you do. But here, where guys aren't used to it, and they've crafted these personas and their quirks and foibles that might be insecure, I don't know how people are going to react. Let me be clear. Let me be clear. What I mean by that is not who's going to not take well. Oh, I jokes. see. I'm saying when we've had these 12, events before, guys. I'm not going to name any names. Yeah. People have gotten very inebriated. Uh, they've gone up on stage and some like weirdness has happened. <laughs> like, who do we need to watch tonight? Oh, I see. If if this is a, if yeah. there's a board behind, me, I'm going out to Vegas next week, right? Super Bowl Fifty Eight. There's gonna I'm gonna be at the Circus Sportsbook. All these mm-hmm. minus this plus that. Who is the the number on? Who is the favorite to have a really awkward moment tonight because they've been enjoying themselves too much? Great question by you. I would have had our guy, uh, Mr. Kensington, Eric Mickle, in the office pool because he doesn't like – he's not as – he's and he, by his own – I know, by his own admission, he doesn't love getting up in front of people live and doing stuff, so yeah. he, he gets oust. 
So, but he's, he's not going to be here tonight. He's got a whole bunch of stuff that's going on, so he won't be here. So he would have been my favorite. After him, I don't know. who's who's Because we're, we've all kind of driven here, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, except for the junkies. I'm sure they have a limo service. But everybody else had I, to, like, make their own way. I'm pretty sure the junkies had, like, some party van come get them. Yeah. So it's got nice champagne in it and probably some kind of delicious food as well. Does it feel bishopy to you? Do you feel a little bishopy has a couple? I mean, for Bishop to really get banged up, he's like seven foot six. He's he's he's, he's got to have a lot of cocktails. But hear me out. Do it's, we have enough time before the show for but that? But it's so far past his bedtime, so he's tired. A he's a point. little cranky. He's had a couple adult sodas, a little bit and he's annoyed at, at people. Probably annoyed at me to start with because I'm making fun of him. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's check in on the adversaries. I want to grab Denton Day. I'm Denton uh, Day. He of course produces. For uh, Kevin Sheehan. So, by the way, Denton, are you? Have you heard Danny's impression of you before? Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah I've heard it. I've heard it many times. I did updates for you guys one time, and I've heard the. Yeah, I, I overdo it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, do you like it or you don't like it? I think it's fine. Okay. Yeah. I I, I don't mind uh, being the butt of a joke as long as you say my full name, so everybody knows who I am. Um, well, but 2080 also, scouting scale ooh. on the actual impression itself. 50 is average. 80 is elite. I would I would say about probably about a uh, sixty five. Oh, that's kind. Yeah, I would I would said a little less. Yeah, because I, I basically do a slight caricature, and people think when I impersonate someone, I don't like him. It's not true. I think the world of Denton. I'm not just saying it because he's standing there. I'm a Denton fan. He literally was saying the opposite of that an hour ago. I did, yeah, but it's I, but I stepped way to Hoffman for. 10 but you minutes couldn't hear I, it. No, so I, I, I when I when I do my Denton day, it's a caricature <laughs> of uh, yeah of uh, of Denton yeah like that's not exactly Denton, but I'm taking Dentonisms and turning them up. Is Denton catching any shrapnel tonight? No, he's he's Denton's clean. Oh, Look man, at I, you. I'm actually kind of offended. I, I was ready for the smoke tonight. <laughs> you came here. I, I was looking I, uh, for smoke. I was ready to climb up the chimney for I, some smoke. I came ready to go off the top rope on you. You yeah. mostly let the producers slide, right? It's mostly just the on Yeah. Air. Matt and Matt are going to catch one. Junks? Yeah. The, for, for bits, the, the, the bit season, bit season yeah. I mean, Anytime you got a show about a show, yeah. you're going you're gonna to get, get a little bit of a – There's going to be a little a, something. There's a zing or two hey, headed your Denton, way. Denton, while we've got you, I do want to ask you. You're a college football mark. Correct. Yes. I would even dare I say you are something of a college football expert. Earlier today, yeah. Yeah. I made the claim. I want to bounce this off you. I think by the – everyone's saying Bo Nix is late one, early two. Yeah. I think by the time the draft happens, he will go in the first half of the first round. What do you think of that? I don't think he'll go first half of the first round. I think it's going to be a situation where somebody trades up in the back half to get him. Because I think like in once, the 20s maybe? In the 20s. Once you sit down, I met him in Phoenix at the Fiesta Bowl. Really impressive. Really impressive, and then he went and gave my team the business through six touchdowns. That I was less thrilled about, but he is great. I think people are really going to fall in love with him. How many quarterbacks in round one do you think? I yeah. think there's going to be four. I Only think he's gonna, four? I think he's going to be the last one. I don't really no, So that, that means no Penix, right? No, no Penix. I think Penix is the second round. I think Seattle trades up to get Penix and reunites him with Ryan Grubb. In the second round? In round in two, Denton Day. Yeah, round two. That is a yeah. That would be shocking to me. Yeah, I think they're all great dudes, but I think you'll see certain things on the film, and the, the Penix injury thing worries me a little bit because he had two ACL yeah. surgeries. That worries me. And I don't I don't know. And Maybe somebody loves J.J. McCarthy. I don't see it. Jim Harbaugh does. but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Denton guy, and, yep. and I'm not just saying it like Danny did. You know, Actually a Denton guy. I've never done an impression of you, Denton. Unbelievable. <laughs> but um, what I love about Denton, no one has a more unique style in the world. He, he wears a bandana every <laughs> right. day, like just a 
a folded-up bandana like he's about to play in the NBA, but mm-hmm. it's not a headband. It's right. a bandana. It's a legit bandana. I do have real headbands, though, too. But I like the bandana more. Yeah. And then you also rock a fanny pack. Correct. Which I think is great, but that's not like, look at me, I'm wearing a fanny pack. It's just every day, your way of yeah, keeping your phone. Yeah. There's chapstick in here, there's a protein bar, and two bags of tea in here. So when did that start, and what's the mindset on that? Because, like, I'd love to do that. I just... A, it would like I have a big gut that's going to hang over. Yeah, I don't mean weird. to be rude, but it's hard for anybody <laughs> over one fifty to have a fanny pack and yeah. not have it be protruding so well, far. I, out. I'm a little over one fifty, so I'll, I'll take that with a uh, I'll take that as a, a, a plus there. It really just because I don't like carrying things in my pockets, right? Like if you're on the metro a little bit. When mm-hmm. I first started working here, uh, I didn't want to pay the price to park, so I was riding the metro a lot, and I was like, I don't want to sit and lose something on the metro. So if I have everything right in front of my pelvis, no one's touched me on the pelvis. This is a good point. In the metro. I was going to say, in, in the metro. In the metro. Uh, 30 seconds or less, how many years does the NCAA have left after this SEC Big 12 thing? A big, I mean, Big Ten thing. Of running college football, a year. A year they're done. One year. And for people that don't know, they're just jumping in their cars, leaving work. Uh, the SEC, Big Ten today, come together they're to coming. form. We knew it was going to happen. The super, super football league. thing. Yeah. The, the NCAA got one year and it's over. Weirdest thing you've ever had in your fanny pack? Uh, I had I had a bunch of tampons for my lady in there. That that was weird to at put in. Six nineteen. No, that was weird. Friday yeah. evening. <laughs> I did, I did not see where that was yeah, going. With that in mind, our boss is standing here. We're yeah. going to bring him on. Denton, thank you for the time. Thank you, Denton. Just pass the headset to the guy that signed your check. That was Denton. Day. That was that was not as weird the whole time as what you heard. Well, I think this is a bad idea. I think I should give this back to Denton, <laughs> and we should delve a little bit deeper into the follow-up uh, questions. You're questioning my. Uh, that's true. My, <laughs> My radio judge. I'd love to ask Ryan how those objects work, but I think the whole thing would get us fired. Yeah, let's just no, go back no. to the fanny pack and see what else is in there. No, <laughs> What's the no, second no, weirdest no. thing? Ryan, where's Ryan? We need a Ryan explain to know. No, we kidding. don't, Ryan. We're kidding. We're kidding. We're kidding. This you would stay get back. really bad really quick. You stay quick. back. Uh, we sold this joker out. We did sell it out. Isn't that crazy? And it, you, you put the junkies on a billboard, people come out. It's a lot of people. It's going to be amazing, yeah. So I think, what, there's like 400-plus seats? There's 500. 500 people. That is a show, man. Yeah. Is this going to be like a traveling road show where we do this in a bunch of places? Uh, I think we're definitely going to do this again. Um, I think we'll probably do it again before the season starts for the Commanders. Uh, that's kind of my, my thought. Love probably that. Probably in Virginia, since we're in Bethesda now. We are in Bethesda right now. Virginia's doing Virginia's great. Virginia's We're going right. to go to Virginia next. I think we should head on over. You and Ted Leonsis both. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Heading oh, across that river. Oh, slides. man. I'm going to catch some shrapnel for that. Oh, man. The uh, opinions of Grant Paulson don't reflect those. Of thanks, you guys, for seven. coming. Oh, oh our pleasure. Yeah, very happy to be here. Uh, what are you nervous about? Uh, dinner is the first thing. The second thing is... Um, like, if you're going to be able to eat it? What do you mean, I'm dinner? I'm starving. I'm so hungry. I haven't oh, had anything okay. to eat all day, except for a little bit of Popeyes. Um, so I want some dinner as soon as possible. Um, I want to eat it yeah. in peace, yep. and then continue the evening. Do you want people to ask you questions while you eat dinner? Um, I'm going to be... <laughs> I actually have to do some revisions on the rundown, oh. so I'm going to do that, and then uh, and then have some dinner, and then we'll see what happens. John Allen will be in the house. He will be, yes. And some lucky listeners are going to go hang with him backstage, I think. Yes, there will be a raffle when you come in, and you can register to win that. And, that is uh, awesome. Uh, we've got a great night. We've got some fun things planned for you guys that you don't even know about necessarily, so Ooh. that's good. That's so, the part I'm nervous about. I like a surprise. Or two. So I'm nervous about that, and then I'm nervous if somebody gets butt hurt. So I was pl- so here's my question for yeah. me. This is I'm going to selfishly ask about my wardrobe. Oh, okay. I brought a, a button-down shirt. It's in the back hanging right now. Yeah. It seems like most people are going to be wearing button-down shirts. Yeah. I'm in a polo shirt right now. Do you think I should change? Am I fine? You should change. Also, I should change. Yeah. All right. Good enough. I will change. Yeah. I asked Russell, and he's like, this is all I brought. Why, why would like, you ask him? 
well, I just said, what are you wearing? I thought he had a change of clothes. And he's like, I'm just wearing my Army-Navy jacket. But, by the way, why is he wearing that? Why, why didn't he dress right. a little well, bit nicer? He, he's, <laughs> sorry. Oh, you're just killing Slash. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're just killing Slash well, on the air. It's a special event, and he's wearing what he would wear on any random day <laughs> of the week. Yeah, with all his credentials, a giant <laughs> bag full of stuff. Uh, Valdez wants to pop a zing off. Will you let Valdez get the <laughs> mic real quick? I want to hear that. I, I actually threw my keys to Russell to park my car. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Reeny, I, I, I feel terrible now. Oh, man. All right, now we got to give the mic to Reeny. He's got to defend himself. Well, real quick, how much of the show is going to be busting on Chris Russell? I mean, we got we got to limit that a little bit. That, like, it's it can't on, be the entire night. You're steering this ship as much as you yeah. want. I, f- I hope it doesn't turn into a, a Reeny roast because you know this slash. Am I still allowed to be on this radio station or no? Uh, oh. The, I mean, I, I, mean, I know that? I'm in the presence of well, you uh, go royalty. Well, you go on, Should I get down on my hands and knees well, you and, go on, and bow to you guys? You go on being Mitch and Finley every day, so I'd settle down. Oh, that's right. I you, you host uh, a 30-minute segment before we're on on this station every single day. I think it'll be fine. No, tonight, By the way, nice Izod shirt there. Thank you very much. Oh, tonight very, we're very pretending fancy. like – uh, you know, we're all one big happy family. <laughs> yeah. So, wait, wait a know. second. Can can you say the words that you're never, ever, ever, ever going to say? I don't know the words you're uh-huh, referencing. Uh huh. We're okay. all one big happy. What family. radio station do I do a show on? The other one. It's a, the it's other a, one. AM the guys station. down the hall. AM Sports Station in town. Yeah, the other idiots. You know, you know in all sincerity, what I do tell people is 106.7 yeah. The Fan HD two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, Russell refuses to acknowledge I know. that our only job, our only job, you want to take food out of Truman's mouth? You, I love you, True. You want Reagan to not get her dinner? Nui. Okay. Literally our only job is I to make sure so- we have listeners. I and want- Russell gets all upset that I'm not telling everyone about what other radio station in town he's on all the time. You're my buddy. You want to go to lunch? <laughs> we'll have lunch. You want to go watch a game? Okay. We'll go watch a game. Okay. I'm not going to promote your damn show. All right. Let, let, <laughs> let me ask you this. If you were on the Washington Nationals, right? Yeah and you're interviewed after hitting a home run, are you going to talk just about yourself, or are you going to talk about your teammate in We're the locker not room? Teammates. We are. We're we, in the same company. In, a company? I don't care about that. I care about Danny, his kids eating, Grant, his kids eating. And, I ain't taking and any my food radio. from you. 106.7 The Fan is my teammate. Do I look like I'm taking any food from the, you? The junkies, no. the, the uh, B. Mitch and Finley program. If you were hosting overtime, you're my teammate, okay? Let me know when that happens. So after 14 years of friendship. We're best friends. I love you. I love you, too. I want you to thrive. I do. Right. I, we, the idea that we're teammates, we're teammates like me and a guy from WTOP are teammates. <laughs> Okay, that's about how much I teammates mean, we are. I mean, that's just idiotic. That's a completely <laughs> different company. What is my job? Listen, I didn't choose people. my plight life. I'm just here, okay? I'm just here, man. Greeny. I'm just here waiting to catch a lot of shrapnel from Daniel. Listen. I mean, that's all. You know, and getting stupid text bits from you about having to turn around because i got to be in a three-piece suit. Well, get I, lost. I'm Go screw. I did try to get him to wear a suit. Yeah. Listen, number one, I've already told everyone, leave Russell alone tonight. I don't want anyone making yeah, fun of Yeah, but that's you. that's like the mom going, that's, let's make sure nobody picks on Keegan. Make sure nobody messes with him. I don't He's want very him. insecure about the following things. Like, that's not going to work. You know me. I'm going to stand up for you every step of the way up there. I appreciate that. Me and you that. against the world. That's yeah. number one. Number two, they were making fun of your outfit. I don't think they should. But you why were, did you wear you, what you wore? You were making fun of my outfit, too. A little bit. I was laughing. A little bit. I did not make fun of your uh, outfit. By the way, you guys will love this because I'm – the straw that stirs the drink around here. Oh, I just took over and commandeered. I took command. 
of a dressing room to myself Let's downstairs. Go. That's ballsy. I mean, Dang. I said. There's a, there were a lot of dudes down there, man. Essig joined me. We did a little video, which we put up on Twitter, or X as the kids call it these days. Elon's app, sure. He's a little weird. I'm a little bit weird. We commandeered a dressing room. It's all ours, and I'm going to put my damn name on it. It's going to be the first time. I said to Wendy, our promotions director, I said, I took over one of these things. I said, I've never had a dressing room before. I hope that's okay. It's, it's fine. It's Chris Russell, ladies and gentlemen. You can hear him on B. Mitch and Finley. And occasionally <laughs> every day here. at 1240-something. If, if you want your Russell fix, every once in a while, you'll hear him right here on Grant and Danny. On 106.7. 12.45 every day. <laughs> Thank you, Slashy. I love you too, buddy. Linnell's got overtime coming your way next. Let's put a bow on this sucker. Danny, you ready to go up on stage and do a little stand-up? Let's get this going, man. It's going to be a fun night at Bethesda Theater. For Darius back in our D.C. studios, our crew on Half Street, Ryan out here, Money Metal Chris. We're Grant and Danny saying so long. Listening to the fan. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.